Welcome to the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods, episode number 59. This time, we're coming back to celebrate the 80th anniversary of Batman. Um, we wanted to do this a couple months ago, but this was the perfect time to, to tackle this now before we get to our actual final episode of the year, which, no surprise, is definitely going to be covering the end of the Skywalker saga. But, um, but before we go any further... Let me introduce our panel for tonight. So uh, this is your host, Rob. Joining me is Ben. Holy podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> I knew someone was going to do it. Aaron. <laughs> Good evening. And Fish. Hello. And Kat's going to be joining us just a little bit late uh, into the conversation, but uh, she will be joining us in just a bit. But let's start off the way we start off every other episode. And the question I have for everybody tonight is this. Would you rather be a member of the Bat family or a villain in Gotham City? And I'm going to start tonight's conversation with Aaron. Oh, I was actually thinking about this earlier. Um, I thought it'd be great to be both. So, like, introducing, like, uh, if I can, like, make it up, but, like, introducing, like, like a cousin of like Bruce that comes to like live with him, like third, fourth, fifth cousin. So that he's really like laid back and Bruce just thinks nothing of him. And he's actually like brilliant and a criminal mastermind and running everything way behind the scenes. Okay. So it's kind of a weird mix of Kate Kane yeah. and um, a little bit of a mix of Tommy Elliott in there right. somewhat. <laughs> and probably uh, a little bit of Thomas Wayne from earth two. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, fish. Uh, I I don't know because either way I'm going to end up with a tragic backstory, right? <laughs> Absolutely, that's the way this. So, uh, welcome to the Batman. Do bad, I want to be a good universe. guy or a bad guy? Yeah, I think I'd like to be a bad guy and fight against Batman. Okay, that would be a big challenge. It would be fun. Okay, fair enough. Ben, you know it, it's I feel like it's fun to be the villain, but when it comes to this scenario, I'd want to be a member of the Bat Family. Because if you're not, chances are you're going to get your ass kicked multiple times. Ba and Batman doesn't kill, but he does maim yes. a lot. Yeah. So yeah. you're um, going to experience pain multiple times. Yes. So the the Bat key family. the key word in everyone's uh, future that says villain is the word traction. So <laughs> <laughs> pow. Yes. Uh, I'm gonna also go Bat Family as well. Um, I think also too because the Bat Family is the lightheartedness to Bat Batman's broodiness uh in most cases they're all really just upbeat fun interesting people yeah they all have their edge to them and then you have like people like damian wayne who's just a little shit but he's a fun little shit so um but yeah i think that would just be awesome just to be in that mixture and then you know five years later will happen and i'll be retconned out of the comic book history and that's the way that works <laughs> yeah so really yeah. it's fine um all right so let's dive in to, and I can probably say this, I know Kat would probably be Bat Family all the way as well, so um, we'll let her jump into that when she gets in, but I know she loves loves those characters a ton. Uh, now, growing up, does anybody here remember the first time you were introduced to the character, um, kind of where it was, the medium, you know, and a couple things to that, like... What was your initial reaction? Was it like, you know, if you grew up with the 66 Batman show, it was like, this is kind of cheesy, but hey, it's on. Um, or is it more like, you know, this is your introduction to comic books and it spawned you into checking out all these other things. So I'd love to see what you guys think. Uh, ben. Um, <clears throat> see, it's kind of confusing for me because I remember my first time being introduced to the films. Uh, but Batman 66 is most likely my first iteration of Batman. I remember watching it on, I don't remember if it was Nickelodeon at the time, because Nick at Night was a thing, but it might have been Nick at Night at, at the same time. It was with, a family channel. 
No, it was it was still a Nickelodeon channel because it still had Get Smart oh, yeah? and the Monkees okay. were a part of it as well. Oh, then it would have been Nick. Yeah, yeah. so it, it ran it, on a different channel where I was watching. Okay, but uh, yeah, I do remember uh, Nick at Night having those episodes, and I remember watching them. You and I talk about that. I bring this up often on our other podcast. The one villain that sticks out in my head. <laughs> you knew I was going to bring him up at some. Point I even said it yesterday podcast. on our show. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, obviously, there's Joker, Catwoman, Penguin, and Riddler, who are the four mains of the 66 Batman. But my earliest iteration of any other Batman villain is King Tut. Don't know why. It's just absolutely ridiculous that an Egyptian pharaoh would become a, val- a villain in Gotham City. But uh, I so I, I think if I had to remember my earliest recollection, it would have to be watching Batman 66 as a kid. Okay. Fair. Um, I would say for me, it was. I'm just going to jump off of that point too because that's the same for me. But I think where I watched it was probably like on a UHF channel, which going back before the days of like cable being a yeah. normal, commonplace thing in most households, it's it was on at like probably four o'clock or three o'clock, and I remember watching like the back to back episodes and being like really pumped, like when like you know like the intro flew by and you saw like Batgirl on the bike drive through in the credits, like oh Batgirl's in this episode, that's really cool. Like, the fact that they made these little things. But I remember it wasn't even the show that started off. I remember going to, I think, like, the video store. And my dad used to watch that show, grow, like, you know, especially because it was such a big, huge hit thing, you know, for, like, the wave of television at the time. And getting introduced to the movie that it did include, you know, Catwoman, you know, Penguin, Joker, and the Riddler. So it was seeing all of those together. And I had a VHS tape and I played that into the ground and, and continued to watch that, the show in syndication before even the 1989, um, you know, Tim Burton film kind of even hit close to a fever pitch. Absolutely. So that was a big one for me. And I mean, and that did spawn a love of wanting to read the comic books and things like that. So that was huge to me. That was that was definitely my introduction to superheroes as a whole. I think I knew at that point in time, like characters like Superman and stuff all existed, but I didn't really have a good grasp of them. I was just introduced to that version of Batman so young because it played to almost any age. It played to adults really well, but it also played to like a three-year-old fantastically. Because and Super Friends was a thing at that time. Too, yeah, right? it so was. Yep. that was yeah. another iteration. Oh yeah, like yeah, and that was that was huge. So, Aaron. So I couldn't remember which one if it was either the '66 Batman or Super Friends. Um, they were both probably on the same time frame. Like when I was a little kid watching Saturday morning cartoons, you know, that was just one of those shows. Yeah. Challenge of the Super Friends. That's a, that's yeah. a big starting place for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. But yeah, that was definitely my first iteration of, of Batman. And, uh, <laughs> another early, I remember recollection of Batman was on Scooby-Doo because he, they had a lot of guest episodes and, the Casey Kasem version of Robin and yeah. all. And yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, between those two, I think that was where it was. Yeah. Fish. It would definitely be the uh, the the Saturday morning cartoon. Super Friends. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I, it was shortly followed by the 1966 one. But yeah, we my brother and I would watch that every Saturday morning together. Yeah. And it's funny that you bring up to like Scooby, uh, Batman meets Scooby Doo, because that was such a great other iconic, like, you know, cartoon to watch too, because that all spurred out of like the whole Super Friends and the challenge of the Super Friends stuff. Right. Um, and then the very short lived superpowers line. I think that was the other part of it too, because right. that's the action figures that a lot of us grew up with, uh, up with from people our age bracket, uh, which was super huge. That was the one where everybody remembers the, 
you know, squeeze the legs together and they punch and, they crunch and things up. like that. Yeah. 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 So Remember this one does. Yeah. And like those like cloth, cheesy cloth capes that clipped around the backs of their necks perfectly. But like that was such an iconic line because I it felt like everybody I knew that was my age and were everybody at this table is either that, the Batmobile is still in my parents' basement. Yeah. The, the blue and black Batmobile yep. with the, the, the bubble lights orange, that pop up. Yeah. yeah. Orange shielding. And the and, claw that pops out of the back. Yeah. Yep. I had that one. And yeah. the ram on the front. Yep. Yeah. That was a big iconic one. I mean, especially anybody late 30s, early 40s probably remembers that toy very, very vividly. I mean, that was huge because that was the coolest Batmobile and for at least a couple more years. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> beforehand, they always looked like old Studebakers with a giant bat on the front of it. Pretty but then much. all of a sudden, you know, 1989 hits and the Batmobile, as we know it, changed forever. I yes, mean, like I did. said, oh, but my, that, yeah. that superpowers one was the one everybody I felt like I knew pretty much owned and it was it was awesome to look at so it's amazing to think about too i know it's kind of off the topic of batman but it's amazing to think about very quickly how many universes scooby-doo brought together oh yeah uh, i yeah. mean it's <laughs> crazy like, the harlem globetrotters gilligan's island like it, it, there's so many different universes that came on scooby-doo supernatural batman. you know <laughs> that's right supernatural <laughs> just in the just in the past couple of years but like yeah. later on in the fact that like uh you know we even went back to scooby-doo meeting batman yeah. yet again with uh, just a film from a couple of years ago, Batman: Brave and the Bold meets Scooby Doo, which yeah. was done incredibly well. Oh yeah, uh, and it was mm-hmm. a great homage to not just what came before it, but it really was a great homage where the bat, the villain, felt like both a Scooby Doo villain and a Batman villain all in one. And it was done flawlessly. Yes, yeah, it, it was so great, so wonderfully done. Um, but you know, one of the things here too was to, we didn't bring it up is like we all said we all watched them. What was your reaction? Just to, do you remember that first time? Like, we're like, oh. who's this character? no no it was just the superheroes and it was just go yeah pretty much (laughs) oh wait that one can fly (laughs) i think a big thing for me was when i read my first batman comic book versus the cartoons because the batman comic book is very written very differently yeah i mean Uh, like that was a you know we're i'm trying to think you remember like right around the year wise Wow. It would have been very early 90s. Early 90s. Okay, so we're talking like probably like Nightfall timeline, which right. is like pre or right either pre or post the death of Superman, probably. Oh, wait, before before the death of Superman by a couple of years. Okay. Well, Nightfall was right around the same time. I think it was like 1991 and 1992. I think we're the, around that timeline of when that happened. Uh, so, but like you're probably reading like the Denny O'Neill um, Batman, most likely at that point in time, which is probably one of the most iconic ones. Um, which was mid eighties, probably mid to mid eighties to I think like very early nineties. That's very it's very probable. I just remember yeah. that my friend going to my friend's house and reading them, and and they were they were really good. Yeah. Like you just turn the page like one after the other. You read other comic books, you're like, eh, no, this is just better. Aaron seems very much like I like I was at that time where I didn't pay attention to who the author was. I just wanted to read the comic book. <laughs> yeah, this is true for me. This is more just yeah. knowing now. Yeah, who the prolific writers were for the times and stuff like it's that. It's something of, you don't get to appreciate until you're older. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know, like, we're all like, oh my god, they, they killed Superman, and then the writer by the name of Dan Jurgens took a lot of heat for most of the rest of his career. That's you know? <laughs> um, But yeah, I mean, it's it's really funny, though, like, because I think for me, it was probably right around the same time. It was like late 80s uh, was my first Batman comic, probably before the Tim Burton movie. Um mm-hmm. So, like, probably, like, 87, 88. So, it was more, I'm going to look at the pictures and try to absorb what's happening and kind of let it become, like, a, a, a more of a tool for, like, my vocabulary. Because comic books never felt like they wrote down to children at all. They always kind of felt like they spoke a language for us, but kind of also teach, 
uh, like taught us quite a bit too. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I, that was by design. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was wonderful. It was a, such a great way to do it. So. Yeah. Uh, similar to you, I mean, I didn't start getting into the comic books the little that I did until after the Tim Burton '89 movie. Because I remember going to a drive-in of all places to see Batman. It was a double feature. I still remember this fondly. It was a double feature where the first movie was Police Academy. I don't even remember what Police Academy it was. It wasn't the first one at the time. Um, might have been Police Academy 4. four. I yeah. was going to say that's were, probably Were they four. at a beach? Like, yes. No. Well, no. Uh, Police Academy 4 was Citizens on Patrol. No. That that's is three. three. Is that three? Yep. Okay. Please have me four is in Miami. Miami, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. okay. Because I remember- that's the not, Miami Beach one that is- Yeah. I remember going to that double feature and not <laughs> caring about what the first movie was because I just <laughs> wanted to see Batman. And then, you know, not expecting what I ended up watching because I was so used to Batman 66, which like, you know, right. I was just a kid who wanted to- I didn't care about backstory of characters at the time. I just wanted to watch a guy in a costume, two guys in a costume beat up other guys. And then when I saw 89, as a 10-year-old, realizing how much depth there actually was to this character and wanting to read the comic books a little bit further. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was. it's kind of crazy going back and thinking about how much 1989 changed the kind of the superhero landscape as we know it. Like, you have, like, the Donner movies, like, for Superman. Excuse me. Were a huge component of that. But, like, and that was always that upbeat family adventure. And then, yeah. like, the Burton He's Batman the film comes around. I mean, yeah, exactly. And then all of a sudden, we're like, oh, superheroes are dark and edgy. And you saw the comic book, you know, industry just roll with it. And just like, nope, that's where we're going. That's Batman now. Yeah. yeah. That's that's pretty much it. I mean, like, well, that's more, it's, it's like Frank Miller. Right, yeah. You know, and yep. the Dark Knight Returns and stuff like that, um, you know, really changed that status quo dramatically. And and just to correct you, uh, Police Academy 4 was indeed Citizens on Patrol. I was really? correct. Mm-mm. Should yes. not. I'm looking at it right now on IMDb. Uh, Police Academy 3 was back in action. I oh. guess. Okay. Is it five? Police Academy five, five is Miami. Was uh, assignment Miami Beach? Assignment. Oh, that's right. And we then got the order. That was nineteen eighty eight. So that was most likely the one I gotcha, saw as a double gotcha, feature gotcha. with Batman. That's right. That's yeah. right. And I just then know they were in Miami. City Under Siege is number six. City Under Siege is number six, that's which true. I kind of secretly like, and even though it's a horrible. Movie. Oh, <laughs> all of them, but the first actually, one is a that, horrible actually, movie. Actually, that was eighty nine. So that was most likely the, the one I saw at the double feature. Was eighty nine? Was Police Academy six at City Under Siege? Like I said, I don't wow. remember which one it was that came with Batman. I just That's remember, why he likes it. I just he, he brain triggers Batman could, when he watches actually it. actually could be one of the reasons why I secretly enjoy it is because I, I have, associate it with Batman. There's some kind of association with seeing Batman. <laughs> I mean, on the if I saw Jaws the Revenge in front of that movie, I'd be like, I'd probably end up having fond memories, but I also know that it's kind of like, eh, it's probably not true. <laughs> <laughs> And now that's the end of the Police Academy moment. <laughs> <laughs> All we right. Move from the Scooby Doo Police Academy yeah. back to Batman. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, so, why do we feel that Batman has been able to, you know, not survive, but actually, hold on, we're going to take a step back. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Um, why do we feel that Batman has become one of the most loved and recognizable superheroes through the last 80 years? I, there's a lot to unpack with that. I mean, you know. Is it the universe? Is it just because it's a superhero? Is it the you know cool gadgets? Is it the awesome villains? You know, there's a lot to, to look at that we can spend a lot of time on on this piece here. So I think it's I think it's because I, I mean there are a lot of superheroes that kind of fall into this category now, but at the time when we were first first all starting to realize who Batman was, he was one of the first superheroes who wasn't superpowered. Like, he was a normal person like us, but he had the ability to hang 
with these other super like aliens and super powered people. Yes, he had gadgets and yes, he had money, which none of us had at that time as a kid, but he was still the closest to relatable as any other superhero that we knew. And I think that kind of sticks out still to this day. Mm-hmm. Aaron? I, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with anything Ben said there. I'm going to add a bit to it, though. I think it also touches deep down in a lot of us. Batman represents like that culmination of like a, of who we want to be the best. He has a ton of money, and what does he do with it? He turns that money into a way to help the community, multiple charity things, and just turning himself into a charity thing to help the community. Um, and I think a lot of us would like to think that if we had the means and th- that kind of mindset, like, would we be able to put ourselves in that role to like help the community as best we could? Probably some kind of mental psychosis as well. Something <laughs> like that is like, but but I like to think that like we look at him more of a. Like, this is an aspirational thing to be. Like, when you see a problem, you go and solve that problem. You don't just turn your back to it. Yeah. Fish. Oh, the car. Ah, <laughs> everybody loves the car. All the, bad, bad movie, the car. all the bad Batman movies had bad cars. That's accurate. <laughs> That's really, really true. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Right? Well, mm, Batman versus Superman kind of had a cool car. The, the movie tum- was... Oh, no, the, the Tumblr was Dark Knight. That's yes, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was... So that was a good one, yeah. Yeah, the BBS one was pretty cool looking. Yeah. It, was, it was a pretty it was. cool looking, cool looking car. It's just uh, granted, the Batman was also pretty pretty awesome in that wait, movie. Wait, wait, it was just everything we'll else around it. Wait was a minute. Kinda, all right, how yeah. about all the bad cars were in bad Batman movies? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. In, in, in bad Batman films, yeah. Yeah. with bad Batmans most of the time as well. So yeah, that's true. There yeah. kids. Pretty relatable. We'll get we'll get there. Yeah, I know we'll get to the yeah. most favorite Batman oh, argument. Yes. <laughs> I'm just gonna say the car. The car is what's lasted in eighty years. Yeah. Um for me, I gotta say it's kind of like to piggyback off of what Aaron was saying was you're right. It, it's being able to kind of be your best self. But like also one of the things though too was like overcoming fear was a big part of it. It's like you think about this person that stalks through the night, and that's usually where the bad things live. And it's kind of like, you know, if you can be that person that can confront that all face on, it was really kind of like feeling like confronting fear uh you know with a face sometimes it's a scarecrow sometimes it's a person that's underneath a giant fishbowl with red red goggles you know it's or uh, <laughs> or clowns or whatever it may be you know it's it's always interesting to kind of see how that ties together so much but you're right i think everybody is hit on a major component of all those things it's the tech you know it's you know being being the little guy in a, in a world of all of these superpowered beings and still being the smartest person in the room most of the time um you know that basically anybody can be be a hero is is i think the big message that it's kind of sending up always so yeah i think it's interesting to kind of watch that play he was a character that had depth yeah absolutely you know I, yeah no it was incredibly true and the older we got the more that appealed to us yeah and it wasn't easy no it was you, I mean, hell, even going to the 66 show, like, every episode, Batman got yeah. caught. He was in a death trap. He was always a sh- like just a shave away from, you know, being killed. We had to find out next week. Yeah, we had to tune in. Same <laughs> or, bad time, know. same bad channel, yeah. you know? Or, you know, five minutes later after the commercial break. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. Also come. Yep. Syndication. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it's really kind of fun to kind of look at all of these pieces and see see how they flow. I mean... You know, we talk about, like I said, why there's such an allure to the character. Does anybody think it's because of the villains of that universe, though? 
I think the villains absolutely contribute. Well, like that rogues gallery. Yeah, I think the villains absolutely contribute. I don't think that's just for Batman. I think that's for all the superheroes that we love. Uh, I think the villains absolutely contribute to that entire universe. They're just another added element as to why we like them. Well, I mean, like for the people at this table, I, I'm not sure on if I, if I personally can think of a superhero that has a better roster of villains. I don't know about if any of you can where you stand on that. But I mean, like, I feel like you could talk to an average Joe in the street and like, who's your favorite Batman villain? And like, yeah, you probably get a lot of people to say like the same one or two people. But like, then you're going to get like that random third or fourth person that's going to say somebody like, oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. King Tut. Yeah. <laughs> no one's going to say King Tut. No one's going to say King Tut. Baby face. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think there's other villains that have just as in-depth villains. I think there's other heroes that are there that have just as many in-depth villains, but they're not nearly as recognizable. You know, you mentioned that, you know, we talk about the big four with Batman 66 and Joker, Riddler, Catwoman and and um, Penguin, Penguin. That's right. Um, and, you know, it's because we got doses of them pretty much every day. So they're very recognizable. There are definitely other heroes out there that have villains that are just as complex and interesting. Take like the Flash, for example. Right. You just didn't you weren't exposed to them mm-hmm. until later. Yeah. I mean, we'll go. Like I said, we still were going to save some some. Discussion okay. for our favorite villains later, but yeah, I don't see any Vaders in Batman's Rogues Gallery. Like just people that just attach to the villain, mm-hmm. like the, the WWE wrestler Vader. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know you meant. That's almost sacrilege saying that with fish at the table. No, well, I'm com- saying no, no. People, Vader, yeah, people relate to Vader, like, or they just love this character, like they love this villain, and I just don't see that as much within the Batman universe. That's all I'm saying. That I he, mean. Like there, people, there's a lot of it over attachment to the Joker. I would think, and sometimes a not the healthiest way. I think you were wrong. Okay, Doctor Freeze, Mister Freeze, Mister Freeze. He's a doctor. Yeah, D- true. Yeah. Doctor Victor Von Freeze. Yeah, Mister Freeze. Yeah, he's the relatable one. He's the one yeah, that you feel for. Because oh my god! Why did I say I said Victor Von Freeze? No, no, that's Victor Von Doom, and I just right. smashed yeah, the two. It's okay. Victor Freeze. He's totally. Victor, yeah. He's yeah. yes. He's one of the most relatable villains. In the show, because of his right. re- yeah, because of his reasoning as to well, why he's well, doing. We'll he's get doing. there because that 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 does come into play when we start talking about almost every villain in the Batman universe. Yep. Is they all have one major thing in common. So um, now, does anybody here love the universe more than they love the character of Batman? Though that's a big question because I know a lot of people that feel that way. Where they love the supporting cast, they love the villains, they love. The world of Gotham City and people like Commissioner Gordon and Bullock and all these things, but they're like when it comes to Bruce, like feels well Bruce or and and or Batman will say they're like well whatever on him, but I give me the rest of it, like that's what I want want to see. Uh, Yay nay. I think that's I love inter- Batman. I think it's an interesting question. I mean, if you take let's just use um, Arkham City for example, uh, you know the video game Arkham City. If you got to play a different hero in that city, but still went up against the same cast of characters, I think that game would be just as fun in in some new ways. And in elements like that, yes, you, you kind of enjoy the universe more than you enjoy the character of Batman. But let's be real, it's still fun being Batman yeah. in that instance. So I, I, I think it could go either way. I think it's actually a pretty even balance of liking both the character and the universe. Aaron? 
I love Batman. This, I'm sorry. Just, <laughs> right. It's like, hell no. You're don't gonna, you dare. You don't Batman anywhere and I will yeah, watch it. It's like, don't you much. dare. Don't you dare diss the man. You, you yeah. throw Batman to a different city? Sure. Different planet? Sure. sure. watch it. Different reality. Whatever. Yeah. Make him a pirate. Well, here's so, a good question then too, though, as, as far as Batman, though, because there's two versions of Batman, now, in my opinion. There is the, there's the hardcore vi- crime fighting vigilante and then the world's greatest detective. Because it feels like, yes, the comic book knows how to do both of them. Whenever we see it in any other medium, you it's have one, one or the other. Or the other. Yep. It's It never feels like it ever crosses over unless they're like, hey, look, we did one tiny little science experiment. Now I'm a detective. And that's not what it is. It, it's they, I pulled a print detective. Yeah, and that's kind of like what it was. Like you go to like the Dark Knight where he's like throwing like shells into a wall and is like using a computer program to like put something together. I'm like I was able to lift the thumbprint off of this. But that's the the most detective thing he does in that entire series. It's true. But I, it's also... I hate it. to bring it up. Justice League. Justice League did it justice. They had him going and sneaking around into Lex Luthor's uh, computer mainframe mm-hmm. area, putting his thing in and going well, and trying was, to... That re- was BVS. But again, same universe. I'm you're, sorry. Yeah, but you're yes, correct. Yeah. You're right. Uh, so even worse, the, the bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm getting my movies confused. I'm sorry. But they, they did a good portrayal of that. And then they also had him working as a vigilante. Mm-hmm. Very much like it was in your face there. Um, so, yeah, it does really work well in the comics. And we did get to see it in a movie. It's just the movie itself kind of fell. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I, I do get that. I mean, like, I always love the detective side of him yeah. the most because, like, he always feels like he's at his best when he's using his wits. Um, I love a Bruce Wayne trapped in a situation and how do I deal with the problem in front of me versus let's just beat my way through the problem. Absolutely. You know? Well, the, yeah. the, the Batman VR on PlayStation kind of deals with the detective side of things very well. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, because there's only so much action you can do as a VR, as a VR character. You throw a couple of batarangs and you... And that's, that's about it. So about it, it. it focuses definitely more on the detective side of Batman as it is. But it's a lot of fun. It's like that stealth and almost espionage and... And, and using, you know, guns to figure out, like, sequences and how they worked and rewinding. In fact, it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's like part superhero, part James Bond. Yeah. You kind yeah. of smash yeah. them together. Yeah, absolutely. No, the detective part of Batman's always been an appeal. Versus yeah. the other part's fun. Don't get me wrong. And it's kind of exciting because we know that's a big focal point for the Matt Reeves Batman movie that's going to be coming out. Um, Which is... just got delayed. Oh, it did? Yeah, because um, uh, Robert Pattinson is having uh, issues bulking up for the part. Uh-huh. So it, it, it's gotten delayed, I think. Uh, maybe not the release, but the production has gotten delayed. That's cool. not a big deal. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm pumped. I think he's going to be amazing because, yeah. I mean, he's been in some truly outstanding films the last couple of years. You talk about wanting to like the, the Batman mythos and universe. That movie's hitting a lot of nails on the head as it's far good. as casting roles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's It's been spot on. Um, you know, I, I want to say to some of the other things is looking at all of these pieces, though, like it's not just to feel like, you know, we talk about the Bat family and the villains and stuff like that. Like one of the best characters that I just don't want to overshine in this discussion is Gotham City itself. Gotham City is such a wonderful character in that universe as well, because it's got so much history and grit in the DC universe that it feels like it kind of has expanded out to everywhere you can think of. It's like it's that CD part of New York, like back from like. This, like you know, like the seventies and early eighties, that people were like, "Don't go to New York," you know, things bad things happen if you go there, and you know, the version of that's New York now is not the version that it feels like 
you know, this this gritty version of Gotham City we see everywhere is mirroring anymore. Um, but it very much was that New York City from back in the day, it feels like. Or kind of a mixture of that or Chicago and things like that. And like yeah. the worst parts of it at the worst times. So Well, haven't I I always find it a bit confusing, but I know there there are people out there and there are maps out there that state what Gotham City is actually supposed to be. Well, I, I've they, heard New York, I've heard Trenton, I've heard Camden. Mm. Um, I've heard the 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 most. The argument I hear the most is that Metropolis is New York. Metropolis is New York, but a lot of the Gotham is Camden. A lot of the concept of of that city was based off of New York. Um, it's pulled from multiple sources. Right, yeah. but it was primarily New York because that was where DC was based. So right. like the artist looked at the streets mm-hmm. and stuff like that and modeled a lot after that in the comic book universe in the world. Um, but ultimately, Metropolis was, you know, the best version of New York. You know, it's the 1920s, you know, like 1930s. And yeah, and that's yeah. kind of what it is, is you have that, that really shitty part of it. And then later, you know, again... That that digital map of what the DC universe is supposed to look like, what city bumps up against each is each other is impossible to track. Yeah, because you know, Co City is now San Francisco, and then some people say no, it's over here, and I'm like, it's let's just not even bother. And then you, right. and then you have the moments in BVS, which is a movie that you mentioned earlier, where, where they're right across the you, water from each yeah, other. Yeah, you're on top of a build, you're on top of a skyscraper in Metropolis, and you can see the bat signal right across the river in Gotham City. Obviously, so yeah. That's Which the way I was, that always works. It felt weird. I didn't like that. No. I was just yeah, like, they were like right I, over the bridge from each that other. That didn't work for me, but it was necessary for the story to occur the way it did. Agreed. Right. Yeah. But it, it was it was different. It was very different. We'll, we'll we'll leave it at that. Yeah. And then a sudden like space shift happened, and you know Gotham moved back to where it belonged. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So one of the other big questions for everybody is. Do you guys think that this character will continue to exist for the long-standing foreseeable future? Do we think there's ever going to be a point in time where, like, just Batman, there's not a purpose for Batman anymore in pop culture? Like, whether, you know, DC Comics folds or something like that, they stop making Batman movies, TV shows, comics, just it just doesn't matter anymore. I mean, like, we're talking about a character that's already survived 80 years, like, double the age of almost everybody at this, ta- uh, you know, th- at this table. Yeah, I, I, it's it's owned by a corporation now. It will live in perpetuity, um, just because they will force it to be. But do I think that it will still be relevant? And yes, I do. I think the stories are very timeless, and that's why people like the stories. Um, and I think that's what drives a character more than anything else is that it has a strong story that can carry the weight over time. You can pick up a comic book from. I wouldn't say the golden, but you can pick up a comic book from 10, 15 years ago and still get something out of it. And same with watching the animated shows or even some of the movies. Like, there's still parts of that. Like, even Batman Begins, like, some of those underlying stories are like, hey, uh, you know, we need to make our city better. We need to build upon it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I just want to let everybody know Kat has now joined us. So she is in the mix now. So, uh, and Kat, to give you an idea. So I did give one answer for you uh, in the earlier parts. If you could be a member of the Bat family or a villain, I said you'd probably be a Bat family member, most likely. Absolutely a Bat fan member. (laughs) And he also spoke on your behalf when he says that you wholeheartedly agree Nicolas Cage should be the next Batman. That's terrible. She will stab you. Absolutely horrible. And you are sitting the closest to her. I'm in the deepest trouble. You're in the danger zone. (laughs) So we're. We were pretty much going through real quick just to catch you up to speed. It's basically just kind of ran through why, you know, we feel that he's, you know, the character and that universe has existed and lasted for 80 years. Can we so, ask her which Batman was her first? 
Oh yeah, actually, what do you do? You... Animated, so the so, Batman the animated series. So you so, got to I start mean, with like the best Batman. Pretty much, yeah. That's why <laughs> Batman's always been one of my favorites because I started with that and I was like, wow, this is amazing. I would almost almost feel bad about that because then I'm like. It, it can't really ever get better than that. <laughs> I mean, there are really good close. incarnations in the comics and everything, too. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, I love those just as much. Yeah. But I think, like, movie-wise, probably not. The closest I liked was the Christopher Nolan movies. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, one of the things I wanted to dive into was how has the character kind of evolved uh, since you've been aware of that character? And I think that's kind of a big, interesting point because it, it the way that we all look at it is going to be dramatically different than the next. You know, I can tell you a thousand different things from the comic book, but like, you know, Ben, you mentioned Batman 1966 mm-hmm. was a big one. And everybody, and then you, yeah. you're talking about the Super Friends cat. I mean, he keep he kept like you know, look, Batman's dead now. I think Dick Grayson's stepping in. Like from when I started, I mean, Batman was just there, and then there was like all the arcs of like him being dead and Dick Grayson taking the cowl and all that stuff going on. So that was <laughs> well, yes, yeah, I think that was one of the big things for you. Then is like you got to see somebody else under the cowl numerous times since you were introduced to the character, and beforehand we yeah. didn't see a lot of that. No, it was primarily. I think one of the biggest evolve, ev- evolutions of Batman itself is the tech. I mean, the tech, you, you talk about Batman 66, where one of the, the most innovative things he had was shark repellent uh, <laughs> to holographic imaging now in like BVS and, and Batwoman, which is Batman tech. You know, the tech itself has evolved and I think will continue to evolve, kind of jumping back on the previous topic, which will, I think will make Batman forever relevant. Okay. Uh- yeah, um, the variety behind him, it, it, it is what, like Ben said, it's what's keeping him relevant. Um, and oh, how has he evolved? Well, I started out with probably one of the worst versions of Batman in that Super Friends show. <laughs> to be I'm fair. I'm not going to lie. To yeah, be that's, fair. That's fairly <laughs> accurate. <laughs> so I only had up to go. So. <laughs> and then Clooney happens and you're like, oh, no, we can go lower. <laughs> Apparently, there is a bottom to this pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Aaron. Oh, what? I was going to let Mike finish. Oh. Uh, how has he evolved? Uh, I find myself liking different versions of Batman as I grow up, rather than whether he's evolved that certain way or if it's going back and seeing something in a different light. Because um, your taste changes as you grow older. Mm-hmm. So... I can go back and watch something that I didn't find that interesting in the past, and now it's really good, but then some of the other stuff is just... Meh. Yeah. Uh, it just feels like it doesn't fit anymore. Yeah, I get that. Aaron? It, it would be nice to see in some medium, it doesn't have to necessarily be the comic books, um, but just just aging him a little bit more. <laughs> um, I, I kind of like that when they when characters kind of age and grow up this perpetual 30 something year old man while it's great in the comic books and it's a fun story to watch it is as i get older my priorities shift my thoughts shift and Mm -hmm. like i may not be jumping off a building because it's going to really hurt the knees tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) and and while we don't like to see our heroes fall or anything like that it is good to see how they can adapt and cope and integrate new things and people 
I think you are seeing a little bit of a shift in that in the comics when they introduced um, Damien and stuff like that. Now he has his actual son involved and like you're starting to see him shift his position on, you know, he's evolving as a character. Yeah. Changing a lot. Yeah. I was going to say like Damien was probably the the largest shift for me was is like, hey, you know, like you've had like. You know, the ward and you've had like the pseudo adopted sons and all the different Robins and watching that play out. I mean, like from, you know, starting with Dick Grayson to then having, you know, Jason Todd to having Tim Drake to Stephanie Brown to all these other people like Luke Fox, uh, you know, Kate Kane coming into the fold. Like the Bat family just gets that's how he's evolved. He just keeps collecting children. That's really what it was. 5,000 children. Don't let him loosen an orphanage. Yeah, pretty bad. much. But I mean like in addition <laughs> all of them. We're good. Yeah. Bad army. But like I think what's interesting though too is like you know we're only about a year removed from Tom King's story in the comics of him and Selena almost getting married and that story is not done yet that there is i think like 10 or 12 issues yet to go and it sounds like it may still end on that point uh which would be this massive evolution of taking one of his classic oldest oldest foes that turned into an anti-hero and turned into a hero and now having that be a companion like a long-term companion could change mm-hmm. everything so i think we're on a press uh premises of something wholly different uh for that character so it's interesting to watch i i'm I'm looking forward to seeing what this character looks like in two or three years especially with some of the rumblings that they're saying that's going to happen in dc comics which is um you know they they say currently today is we're in i think the fourth age of heroes like it starts back with like batman from you know 1930 you know 39 and all these things like you know going back to the day and then we got into the Silver Age with the JSA and all these things, and we kept going through. And then, you know, we're now at this point, and they said the Fifth Age was the idea of all these characters that everybody knows and loves really, really well, like Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, was taking all of those characters and taking them off the board for a while. Not the not who they are as far as, like, Clark Kent, Diana Prince, Bruce Wayne. They'll still be in DC doing other things, but... Who is the person that's underneath the cow? Who is, you know, like the leader of the Amazons? All of these things. Who is the big blue boy, boy scout? You know, those faces are going to be changing. And it sounds like that's going to be for the foreseeable future, a.k.a. until comics stop selling, you know, really, really well. And, you <laughs> and know, they go back to what? And they and go back to like, status oh, quo. God, we gotta I mean, go. <laughs> it's the status quo that we'll always find ourselves back at, at the end of the day, you know. It's, but, it's very similar to in Marvel making Steve Rogers older and Falcon taking over as Captain America until comics stopped selling. And now Steve Rogers is back in the mantle of Captain America. <laughs> Surprise. Well, our friend TJ was going to be here with us tonight originally. And I know he was just, um, just a little exhausted, but I mean, it's, I feel like I can say his infamous line is if you were to walk down the street and ask an average Joe and said, who's the, what's the secret identity of Batman? Everybody's going to say Bruce Wayne. And that's yeah. the problem with it is when everybody gives you that answer, that's who it always will be when the day is, day is up you know it may not be for a short period of time but it'll always go back to that mm. so um but yeah i mean i think it's it's, it's kind of interesting to see how ha- that has evolved now one of the other parts to that though is the things we're talking about how he's evolved but also the things that maybe there's been evolutions of that we don't want to see anymore and comics also do this beautiful thing called retconning things and say <laughs> let's forget that ever happened is there anything from the batman universe anybody here at this table wishes it would just not exist anymore like characters that they feel have outlived a welcome 
um, you know, concepts or ideas or anything like that. You want to go with King Tut again? I was just going to say, yeah. if Joker wasn't around, King Tut probably would have got more attention in Gotham City. <laughs> nah, still not. <laughs> I think I think Vincent Price's egghead would have gotten more. Yeah, planned, that's, that's very <laughs> true. That's very true. Like Killer Moth and Kite Man have done better than King Tut, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's not that, saying much. That's also true. But so. Kite Man's got a kite. <laughs> <laughs> like when we it's talk about retcon and get rid of something. Like that Batman Ninja movie that recently. Oh my god! I, I was. Did, that's exactly what I was I, thinking. I, I, would, I would like to retcon that. And yes. that. I'm, I'm going to Me second too. and third. hundred percent. We watched here, that, and I was like, uh, oh. any other, any other takers? I okay. Motion passes. <laughs> <laughs> and and the sad thing is, there's a deep audience for that. Like I I've seen, it. like I'm, I'm I'm sure there is figures pop up like crazy artwork for that. And I'm like, why? It was such a I did I honestly story. didn't even like the artwork. Oh, I thought I hate the it. artwork. That, that's what bothered me the most. Was Same here. The artwork, the animation, and the I've, voice I've acting. Wasn't that good. I have a feeling I shouldn't watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Save yourself like the five minutes getting into the movie and watch the Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles instead. Oh, yeah. So yeah, much it's better. better to do stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. You still have to watch that one. I haven't watched that one now. It's amazing. That's really, really, really good. It shouldn't be as good as it is. It, no, it should be. It totally should be. <laughs> Michelangelo. That's the reason the movie's great. Yeah. Yeah. Having Alfred chastise him for skateboarding in Wayne Manor and Absolutely. saying, you will get it back at the end of this. Wasn't there a Batman and Scooby-Doo? Too? Yeah, it was that. I was going to say, that yeah. was really good. Hey, we're not retconning that one. because No, amazing. that was really good. Yeah, I that liked was, that yeah, one. Yeah, we, we, we brought that up early in Yeah, the only one I want to retcon is that Batman Ninja one. It was real bad. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I I really don't think there's any part I would like to see go away. The only thing I would like to see them... Actually, I, I will take that back. I would love to, for them to finish retconning things to get back to what the rebirth timeline is supposed to be when Doomsday Clock wraps up next month, uh, which was this whole, like, we have to sandwich. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying, Aaron, of, of having to shoehorn the history of the DC Universe in essentially a five-year point in time where it takes characters that a lot of us at this table probably have had a connection with or loved like Jason Todd or Tim Drake and stuff like that. And instead of them, they losing, they lost a lot of their, what made them special as characters because of the way that comics constantly try to keep resetting the status quo. And they're like, Oh no, we're going to go back to the beginning again, instead of letting these characters exist. Like Tim Drake basically didn't exist. His history was just wiped away and he had some of the best stories. He really did. Um, You know, know, how Jason Todd's return was. All of that was wiped away and completely changed and spun on its head and all these little weird pieces. And it makes you saying is you're retconning retcons. (laughs) Yeah, I love to retcon retcons in all honesty. I would love to see these characters grow. But I think that's the cool thing about a lot of times with comics that are willing to take risks. And I think we see it a lot in DC is like they're willing to pass the torch. Um, and it would have been fun to see some of those characters maybe take an evolution to become this character instead of taking random person over here. Or like, why did we have Commissioner Gordon as Batman for a year in the comic books? Like a couple years ago, it was Yay. like somebody had to do it. Apparently, Tim Drake would have been an amazing Batman. He was an amazing Just Batman saying. for a short period of time. What? <laughs> yeah, this goes back a couple years. But like I said, it's I would have to pull out my phone to look up like issues and stuff like that, and we're not going to bother with any of that. Yeah, so. that's fair. I, I think <laughs> so. Batman's one of those characters that everything we've seen go through, the character has gone through, with the exception of Ninja Bat- Batman Ninja, um, ha- has worked towards the evolution of the character in some way, shape, or form. There's definitely stuff I would like to see retconned from other superheroes. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're not going to talk about when Superman was split into blue and white electricity. A blue and red. What? Blue and red, that's it. Yeah. He's yeah, a letra. <clears throat> after... <laughs> 
after reading, like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, Electric Red when, and Electric Blue. I think that was Blue. when I actually stopped reading Superman comics. Yeah, it was not good. Um, you know, we can retcon that to well, we're blue in the face. But, yeah, I don't think there's anything from Batman I would I would like to see retconned, okay. to be completely honest. Well, before we go into break, because um, this is going to be a little bit shorter of an episode, I think. But, like, there's, I, I think we have to go into a little bit more detail about the Rogues Gallery. I, I think... Before we kind of really start breaking things down a little bit more involved, I would really, I think that's a great place to go because, you know, we can talk about like our favorite villains and all of these things, but there's, I think, some other interesting layers to this a little bit with is mm-hmm. kind of how they kind of mirror the character of Batman a little bit, you know? Um, I, I think, and I don't know how any of you take this, but where, I mean, we, we mentioned that one, he's got a great group of rogues, but. You know, is there any like I said? We talked about like there's a bit of, a bit of a lore to him because they're they're just really interesting designs and things like that. But is there anything specific for people that draws them maybe a little bit closer to a specific villain without maybe like tipping your hand too much as far as what your favorite one is? I think all of them end up being really really compelling. And that's one of the big draws to the rogues gallery in Batman, because, I mean, there's a lot of superhero villains that are kind of one note, or even if they're big and powerful, they don't really, you know, have that. They don't they're not well fleshed out. Most of the Batman villains have really tragic pasts, have really interesting stories. And like, you know, the Mr. Free story is heartbreaking. It's really sad. And I mean, like. Even Joker, even though, like, you don't quite know his origin story because it's just constantly shifting, you know, a lot of them are. It it keeps it mysterious, which keeps people engaged. I mean, you know, you look at Poison Ivy and, like, a lot of her actions, while extreme, can, some can be understandable. You know what I mean? Like, they're relatable in certain ways. There's there's a heavy level of sympathy. There's a lot of sympathetic villains, I think. But it's kind of like like what you were saying in the beginning when we were saying, "Would you rather be a bat family like member or a villain?" And you're like, "Well, regardless, I'm based in born in tragedy." Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, but but it's a each one of them does have a counterpoint to him that he has to figure out how to work around. And that was that was time. kind of the way I wanted to put it, but I was trying to find a way to to word that without um, kind of just being like, like boom. Like you, uh, Aaron and I were talking about this the other day. Um, the Joker was uh, what, yeah chaotic. Yeah, yeah so chaos <laughs> versus order. So yeah, right. so so the Heath Ledger Joker mm-hmm. is chaos and just being as random as possible. But as you were saying like, right, but uh, the counterpoint to that is he's always very public about what he's doing. He's broadcasting it, so Batman knows it's going on and has to figure out how to work to fix it. Whereas like somebody like the Riddler. They're very low key, but they leave him hints that he's got to try to figure out. And it mm-hmm. taps the the idea of the world's greatest detective, right. and it flexes that muscle. The penguin's got an umbrella. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> oh, penguin! Penguin's got money, yes, like an influence. He does. He's and got that's the same status as ben, uh, as Bruce Wayne. So, so you're right. So Bruce can't just go beat up a very public figure, mm-hmm. like especially if he's in politics. Like you, he can't walk away with like all messed up face. Like, yeah, you have like Harvey Dent. Uh, who is a friend of Bruce. Again, right? another tragic figure. Right. Like, and you were like, it's like. Pun there. <laughs> and, then, and then you hit the clay face, the killer croc. And, Hush. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah. Bane, I mean, where they're just all super strong and can just break him in half. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean Bane's brilliant, too. Yeah. And Bane's yeah. a brilliant mind. Right. He's yeah. a tactician. You yep. know, it's somebody like, then you have Rachel Ghoul, who is like, my whole objective is 
I'm doing something that's for the betterment of all. But I and I understand there are going to be lives put at risk because of this. And and that's one of the things we've talked about before too is that sometimes some of the best villains are the ones that truly believe they're doing good. Uh-huh. And the fact is that's always interesting about Rachel Gould too is the fact that you know even Bruce was like, I get what you're doing, and I can't really. I, there, people are going to be harmed, but your end goal is understanding. I understand what you're trying to achieve and the importance of it, but you can't do it this way. Yeah. It's and it's also too. It's mastered a student a little bit in a way between right. the way that they function based on which universe you're reading it right. as or, or or such. Well, and it's interesting too because if you look at the way Batman is in like the Justice League and things like that, I mean, the only thing that separates because he does use extreme methods to enact justice. That's his big thing, and a lot of his villains are using extreme methods to enact personal justice. And the reason everyone is on board with him is he has those rigid rules to follow. However, when you see it counterposed to like the rest of the superheroes, I mean, he is like the rogue. He's the one that's kind of like out doing this stuff that's a little dubious while everyone else is kind of sticking to a different path. Yeah, no, it's very true. I mean, it's kind of interesting. And that's why, like I said, it ties really nicely with the Rachel Ghoul, but all is, is that, um, it's that hubris. It's, it, that's all it is, is this that little line of ethics. And because Batman's ethics are always on the line. It's like, well, he's just not killing. <laughs> he, he's, but, he, he protects yeah. the innocent. But you also see the constant clash against the police and law enforcement. Right. too. That's a really steady theme because, you know, while there are a lot of corrupt cops in Gotham, he also is a vigilante and he is using violence to enact his justice, which may not, you know, align with law enforcement. It's an interesting parallel the same way Batman is to Raj as Commissioner Gordon is to Batman. Yeah. You know, I understand what you're doing. You just can't go about it this way. <laughs> That's basically what Commissioner Gordon has said a number of times to Batman. Yeah. Mm. So. He's tried to say it. Batman's always disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's he going by turns the time his head. finishes the sentence. Because Batman's a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it, it's one, of, one of the best lines of the, the Justice League movie was, <laughs> I was just us. thinking that too. It's just J.K. Simmons' version of, of Gordon and just turning around and, like, huh? and it's just the Flash just in there. I'm like, wow, they just all left you like that? That was kind of rude, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and, then he, and then he bolts. It's so good. <laughs> It was kind of fantastic. Yeah. Well, actually, another good question, though, on the villain side is, do you think fascination, people's fascinations with the villains, though, is healthy? This goes in a little bit of a conversation Kat and I were having the other day, but I'm, I'm kind of curious on your, everyone's perspective of that. Everybody's Be- fascinated in a train wreck, so. I think there are degrees of fascination being unhealthy when it comes to it. And the biggest example of that is Harley and Joker. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, I, I've I've seen a number of people say like relationship goals and post a picture of like Harley and Joker. I'm like, really? Please, please that is no. an incredibly unhealthy relationship. If that is your relationship goal, you need therapy. <laughs> like that's truly what it comes down yep. to. Obviously, you're bleeding into pop culture there. <laughs> <laughs> and same thing with um, Joker too. It's He's a very fascinating villain, and I think it's okay to indulge in that fascination, but the lines blur when you get into idolizing and being like, yeah, he's doing the right thing. Well, no, you should kind of know that. <laughs> I think if you're going into it with awareness, it's a, it's the same lines as the Harley and Joker relationship, mm-hmm. though, where it's, 
you know, if people are interested in watching it because it's interesting, that's one thing. And it's different when people are kind of idealizing it or turning it into something it's not. Yeah. Because yeah. in the movies, in the books, in whatever, it's very clearly not a good thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, do you have anything you want to add on to that? Oh, or? <laughs> oh maybe. Come back to me in a second. Well, I mean, like, I would say... You're right. Watching a train wreck is is always really interesting, uh, and I think I think that's the thing with most people when they see something like that or see like pure evil or pure chaos. Like the question everybody asks when they look at it is says, "Well, why?" Mm-hmm. And that's always what people want to dissect it and figure out what can I fix. It? We're we're in a culture where, and a lot of us personally in our day to day lives are like this, where we want to fix problems. Uh, and you were like, well, how do we fix this? How do we fix that? And then you look at a character like that. I was like, well, how do you fix somebody that's like this? And you go through those motions, which sometimes can be also equally as unhealthy as trying to fix something that can't be fixed. Right. Um, and it's it's interesting looking at that kind of seeing and taking a step back. Um, because when you do have such dramatic amounts of disorder with a character like that, or, you know, it, it's... It's the fashion fascination behind seeing a completely unhinged personality, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that that's that's what it is. Um, that's what I was trying to it's think romanticizing of how to mental illness. Well, and, and the romanticizing and chaos, the romantic romanticizing of it is that the right way to say? It? Yeah, anyway, yes, um, is uh, is the problem? Yes, it's looking at it. And oh saying, yeah, okay, oh, gotcha. okay. They're completely think... unhinged. Let's see what's going to happen. Oh, that was an interesting story. That's great. Yeah. But the second you turn it and say, "I love that," uh-huh. that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, then yeah. It, then it gets a little dicey. I think the reason I was thinking that way though too is that I've been reading a lot about interpretations of the recent Todd Phillips film, The Joker, because that's the way it treats it is romanticizing mental illness, and it's that's it's not a little agreed. well. No, that's yeah. the way people are perceiving oh, okay. it, not what it's doing. Okay. It's that's more along the lines of what I was trying to say and it wasn't coming out right so uh, that's why i took a second and thought about it thank you yeah yeah <laughs> I, I, was try- I was trying to fill fill, fill that air the words were there they just didn't get more <laughs> um okay well i think maybe we can go ahead and take a quick break uh when we get back we can start looking a little bit more at again our favorite villains specifically and kind of maybe that's where we'll start and kind of shuffle things up then talk about our favorite extended bat family members and why that they're so much so interesting and then we'll get into our favorite Batman stories of all time. Cooney! And... Oh. <laughs> sorry. If you want to... We can just uh, end it here if no. you want to. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll get a little no creative with some things. Yeah. But then we'll get a little creative with some things like we normally do. But with that, we'll be back in just a few.
And we're back. So because we kind of ended talking about villains, I figured we'll come back in talking about our favorite villains. I figure we could also maybe go into the most underrated and overrated as well, in addition to our personal favorites. So um, anybody want to get us started? Cat. <laughs> my favorite was always Catwoman. Because again, my intro was Batman the Animated. And she was a really fascinating character from the beginning. She was technically a villain but she also skirted the line like she was always very back and forth and you never kind of knew where she would land and i mean most of the incarnations i've seen with her are really entertaining like you she's complex and she's constantly evolving as a villain into like you were saying earlier, where she's not really quite a villain anymore. She's become more but, of an anti-hero, kind yeah, of. But it's a good balance to yeah. have. It's it's she's mirroring Batman more than she ever used to, but she there she has the ten, those tendencies still there. It's kind of like there's that perfect score in front of you. It's kind of like, do I mm-hmm. do the thing or do I not do the thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, fish, your favorite. My favorite. <laughs> My favorite is the Riddler. Okay. Nice. Because if I was going to be a Batman villain, I would be the Riddler. <laughs> <laughs> well, to you, what makes the Riddler um, such a special character? The, the, he's equally uh, an equal adversary as far as uh, your his mental abilities. Um, mm-hmm. He's able to plan things out to the same degree that Batman is. And the only thing that Batman uh, has over him is the clear thinking of, you know, his Working on his wits, like like he said before, um, it, it's it's just he happens to find the right piece of information just at the right time. Now, granted, it's all you know Deus Ex Machina because it's comics and t- movies and TV, but it, it's the build up to that final moment where he just finds the right thing to do at the right moment. Well, one of one of the things I always found that was really interesting about that character, though, too, is there's been a couple where like the Riddler could have stopped and thwarted him. But he's like, why? Why would I do that? Like, I'm not challenging him mentally in right. this process. I could shoot him, but that's not what I'm about. And right. that's what I always has been kind of fascinating about yeah. that character. He kind of has that same code that Batman has. He, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like it's like if we're not doing this my not, way, we're not going to do this. It's not part of my game to <laughs> shoot you. Yeah. Which uh-huh. is... Yeah, you're, it, you're, it, you're playing by my rules. I'm, I'm going to play by my rules, too. It's for... Joker is to create chaos. Riddler wants to be the smartest. Right. Yeah. Uh, Aaron. Uh, my personal favorite was always Raish. Um, nice. Yeah. It, it kind of, he's not quite sympathetic, but you can follow his reason and logic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that one in a villain, a villain that's not seeing himself as a villain. Um, the Joker knows he's a horrible thing. Uh, he loves being the horrible thing. Um, but Raish, he thinks he's doing the world better. And those are some of the best villains. The villains mm-hmm. that don't find themselves a villain, who think they are the hero in mm-hmm. their story. And part of you goes, yes, but come on, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I think what's also fascinating about that character specifically is like we know like the Lazarus Pit makes Raish more and more insane every time. So it makes you wonder what the first iteration of Raish al Ghul was like. That's and because yeah. we never really explored that. It's like, was that very first version essentially what Batman was? Which would which would be a fantastic story progression because then Batman's seeing his own so future great. self. Because if Batman had like if Batman had the opportunity to be like, I could come back and continue the good fight. Uh-huh. 
And we saw, actually, they there was a great story that, that played with that idea. Yeah. There was, it was a Batman Beyond episode where they actually mm-hmm. got to a point where, like, we're going to take Bruce to the Lazarus Pit. And wow. we got to see how that played because Talia was the one that brought, brought them there. Of course she was. Except, <laughs> except for the twist ending. Yeah. Except that it wasn't Talia. Yeah. It was Raish. Interesting. Oh, that's so neat. we saw a revitalized Bruce Wayne that was now under the the effects of the Lazarus Pit, and Raish finally got his wish. And Terry was the one that had to bring Bruce back from the brink, and it was oh, brilliant. Cool. It was it was yeah. it was a stunning story. Probably I one do of the remember best that Batman Beyond. It, it was one of the best of Batman. Yes, and that's one of the reasons why I like Raish. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Ben. It's still not cut. (laughs) (laughs) You've been waiting for an hour for that. Just goes like, I'm just pointing. He's like, I'm just kidding. It's Maxi Zeus. And I'm like, no, it's not. (laughs) Get out. Um, No, I mean, in all honesty, I kind of draw the line between two. um, I I definitely shared the Riddler um, with with Fish because, I mean, that's. He he's just so such an interesting character in that he you're right everything that you guys have already mentioned about him how he wants to mentally challenge Batman instead of physically, um, he you know that's just his his way of doing things and I've always found that very interesting. Not to mention the fact that out of every iteration that we've seen of Riddler on screen, including Jim Carrey, I've been a fan of. I mean, it's I know womp, some womp. people. I know. I know some, not everybody was a fan of Jim Carrey's portrayal of it, but I, you know, I. I it enjoyed it. it. Yeah, it did work. It, it worked, worked for the, the confines of what in. that was. Yeah, you it know, worked for, he was probably the best. One of the best ones in that movie. That's, that's, <laughs> it's that's, not that's saying that's a lot. Not the bar's not very high there. Um, but another character I've always been kind of a, a secret fan—not really a secret fan of, but a small fan of—is Solomon Grundy. Uh, you know, Grundy was just one that just always intrigued me because he was—he—he he, again is a villain in his own way is kind of sympathetic because he's not intending to be a villain. It's not his motivation. It's just the way he's coming across, you know? So Grundy was always another one that I was a fan of as well. I got to say for me is uh Clayface. Clayface has always been one of my absolute favorites. And there's been like six or seven different versions of Clayface in the comics, but like specifically the Matt Hagen version, uh, which was the one that we saw portrayed in yeah, the animated series, series. Yeah. Uh, which was Yay, the was Matt Hagen, like this actor that was, you know, just really loved what they did and something went wrong and there was an accident and then, you know, they were just trying to find a way to continue to exist and still do what they loved. In a way, it's almost like Rita from Doom Patrol. It is. So it really does Rita, blur the lines Rita of hero is, and villain. Rita's the hero version of Clayface, essentially, is what it... Well, Rita goes a little bit more explosive-y. Well, e- and that's, e- towns, but that's but, the point, though. She's It's interesting because she's considered a hero in that confines. But when you look at, like, Clayface and his situation, like, again, a lot of it's very... Where do we draw the line at here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, you know, like, and there's been some other wonderful versions of that character. Um, there, There's a really forgotten um, animated series of Batman just, that was called The Batman. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I remember that. Which was, um, you know, like, probably like mid-2000s. Was that the one where the Joker had dreadlocks? Yes. yes okay. That was played by yeah. Kevin Michael Richardson, yes. who a lot of people remember as... Um, he was in a single episode of How I Met Your Mother when they were texting Ted constantly, and it was Marshall and Barney um, basically trying to, like, 
find the make the perfect girlfriend for Ted, and it was the the large black dude behind them in the booth that was like basically like, do oh, this, do okay. this, yeah, this is yeah, how you woo guy. him. And I'm like, and I'm like, that's Kevin Michael Richardson, but he's what? a he's an amazing amazing voice actor. Uh, but I'm trying you, to picture him. Like I no I no I know I know the name, and I'm trying to picture the face that goes with the name. So. Do you know that episode of How I Met Your I Mother? I think I do. Yeah. It was um, the one where the guy kept quoting Pablo Neruda. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do remember that episode. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. Right. I do But I mean, that. like, but that that was a great twisted version of the Joker, but the version of Clayface that was in that, is that they essentially did Renee Montoya and her partner in Gotham City, and something happened to him with oh. the chemical from from the Joker actually setting him up, an explosion went off. And that cop became Clayface in that universe. And you watched him break, but still tried to reconnect to his friends. And everything kept going wrong. And they turned into this villain over and over and over again. Like, yeah. every version of that character has always been interesting. Because it's that dual identity that they're trying to be who they were. Even though that's not who they are anymore. Right. Um, the second one, though, too, for me, I would say that's right there. Also, like, right on the edge is Jonathan Crane. The Scarecrow has always been such a fascinating villain. Yeah. Um, and... It was amazing when we finally got to see him in the Nolan film, you know, mm-hmm. like the very first one with Batman Begins when we saw a first live action version of that character. But it's he's always just been fascinating too to watch of that person obsessed with fear and and taking everybody to the brink and having Batman having to fight through that has always been interesting and has told some great Batman stories because of it. So he What's, was in one of the best ones from the animated series, like the best, uh, ep- like one of the best episodes. Over the Edge, yeah. yeah. And we'll definitely probably come back to that. So. Well, that's another interesting dichotomy of the characters in relation to each other as well is because one of the reasons why Batman chose that form was to kind of bring fear into the people that he was chasing. And Scarecrow just took it to a completely <laughs> new level. Yeah. You know, it, it was kind of the same thing. Yeah. Well, there's now the question of who is the most underrated and overrated. Uh, why don't we start with the most overrated villain for Batman's rogues? Who wants to start? I think he's just the most obsessed, and that's Joker. Yeah, I had to go I with mean, that, too. He's a great character. It's a great rogue, but mm-hmm. I think the level of obsession that people have with the Joker and relating to him, mm-hmm. I say with quotes. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I think it's because of Mark Hamill. Yeah. Um, he did a fan- phenomenal job, oh God, and so every good. movie that we see has the Joker is like the feature villain, usually. It's the arch nemesis right? Yeah. Uh, but he... like. He's just there to create chaos. He's never got a plan. Um, there's no real intention behind it. He just wants to. But but you're talking about overrated. I mean, right. I think he's just is just saturation he's, of it. He, he's right. best used when he's used sparingly. Correct, mm-hmm. and you get him like super like saturated in so many iterations. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I actually also feel that way with uh, Harley recently. Where it's been, because she went from an underrated character to blowing up, and then now she's kind of on par where it's like, it's constantly, and there's so many other villains to tap into. Well, she's also become to. an anti-hero, hero-esque yeah. character too, because but she's she's basically become DC's answer to Deadpool. And that's basically the way that they write her comic now, and, and it just sells and sells and sells. Yeah. You mean that's not slay? <laughs> 
Oh, I love that movie still. Yep. Wait, I'm going to change my answer. King Tut. <laughs> <laughs> That's He's so overrated. 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 So overrated. I've never even heard of King Tut. Exactly. <laughs> underrated. That's how overrated so, he is. So He's over, just I know, I know. He's, He's so over. Beyond the top of the spectrum, came back up to the bottom. He got oh. lapped by overratedness. Um, you know what? Another one I... <laughs> I don't... I don't know how many other... I was waiting to see if somebody was going to bring it up other than me. Um, another one that I kind of feel is a little overrated, and I don't know if... I might be in a minority with this one, is Bane. Okay, that's actually the same one I was going to share with you. Yeah, I mean, it's, he's overpowered. You know, to have somebody who's that powerful, but yet that in means of intelligence, it kind of feels like it's almost in a little bit of a Superman syndrome, except with a villain. Well, that's essentially what that character was, though. I mean, like, if you think about it, it was... Again, talking early 90s, 1992, 1993, uh, when we have Nightfall, we have um, the death of Superman. Um, you know, Superman, like, let's create this super uber monster in Doomsday. Yeah. Well, they did the exact same thing with Nightfall and, you know, Night's End and all that stuff by having Bane. They yeah. were like, we're going to create the best perfect villain. He's an interesting character when they play him in the right way. Like, when they were, like, Gail Simone wrote him in The Secret Six. Um in uh, early to mid two thousands, um, that was he was fun because they they he made fun of himself. He was self deprecating, but the team gave him crap all the time though too. And it was when he worked as an ensemble, he was a great character. But him by himself is this kind of like meh. There's nothing all that all too special. He's just kind of like I'm this giant killing machine. I'm like dude, just cut a hose. That's it. Yeah. You know, like he he'll be down. Like it, then he's just a normal guy. Once the venom pours out of him, that's that. And it's kind of like the the dumbed down version of him that we got in Oh god, no. What's done? No. no. <laughs> that, <laughs> oh, that movie doesn't exist. <laughs> that's his retcon. <laughs> yeah. Those, those we could retcon that entire movie. Uh-huh. He, he they essentially turned him into an ape in that Pretty in, much. A, in a fedora and a trench coat. And it was Oh no. Yeah, I don't even think he wore a fedora and a trench coat. Did he, he did in a couple did. scenes, did unfortunately. No, I don't remember that part. Lock that out. Oh, God. <laughs> you know who would have been a better Wait, villain in that movie? That? A Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin. <laughs> King Tut would have been a better villain. No. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing no, would have no, been better. He it would have worked a lot better. <laughs> right? That's what I'm saying. Because it had the camp of the 60s. <laughs> exactly. It's true. I'm not going to lie. Cat, you were looking. Your um, are we still on overrated? Yes, or... overrated. Oh, okay. Did you, did you did you have I'm another underrated? Did you have another overrated? Mm-mm. No. Okay. Mm-mm. Okay. Underrated. Cat. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, one of mine is. I mean, the original iteration. Probably, I wouldn't feel like it was underrated, but um, when they came up later on in a little bit outside of the Batman universe was Catman. Um, cause his original iteration was eh, but then when he was used in Secret Six, again going he back became to Secret Six, yeah, really, really fascinating. He, he was, was a awesome. he was like an E or F list villain. That yes. was brilliant. <laughs> he was terrible, and then he became really, really interesting. And the other one I really wish I saw more in Batman stuff is from the animated series, but the Ventriloquist. Oh, Scarface! Yeah, yeah. Ventriloquist. that was always really fucking creepy, and like. I vividly remember that episode. Yeah, Wesker has always been a really creepy, creepy character uh, mm-hmm. all around. Yeah, I'm just going to piggyback off a of cat because that is one of an underrated character, Ooh. Scarface. Because Creeps me out, man. <laughs> um, I guess I like that more criminal mastermind opponent of Batman versus the Brutes um, that he does fight too. But 
um yeah he's just he's very manipulative he's very clever um he's brilliant mm-hmm. he's a psychopath but you can't <laughs> deny that he's like that's a really smart crazy psychopathic plan but that would work yeah mm-hmm. ben or fish um, I, you know, I think one of the characters that I think is severely underrated, and I've really felt this way ever since Gotham, is Victor Zaz. Oh, good, good. I think good. Zaz is... I was going to say, I was gonna, it, about to say, it's it like deep top? cut. No, <laughs> I, I think Zaz is an underrated villain. I, you know, he's basically just a sadistic... He's a serial murderer. killer. Yeah, he's a serial killer. Yeah. You know, he's a villain in the purest form when it comes to, you know, something in comparison to real life. And I think I think you could definitely get more out of him. And I think he was portrayed really well in Gotham, which is one of the reasons why I feel this way about the character. Very good. Fish. I'm not sure. Because um, like, I'm cut. trying to think of somebody who's, <laughs> who's, who's severely <laughs> underrated, but like a lot of the Batman villains do get a lot of love. Kite Man. Mm-hmm. As far as... Okay. Kite Man Kite actually Man. got a lot of love. <laughs> Didn't Clock gonna... King, like the, the um, time guy... Oh, yeah. Clock King's a great... Is a, Did, is a fun yeah. villain. Didn't he come back maker, as like right? a much... Well, Calendar Man is another one would probably Calendar be... Calendar Man oh, is really yeah. fantastic. Oh, oh my God. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Toy Man. Toy Man. Oh, toy maker actually, is Superman, right? Uh, well, no, Toy Man. Sorry, no, there is the Toy Maker. Yeah, there's the Toy Maker as well. because um, yeah. I remember the animated series, the one with the remote control cars. Yeah, uh-huh. the Beware the Great Ghost. Right. Yep, one of the best episodes of that. Oh, of that, series. that was really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I would say that might be an underrated one. That, that's because there's a lot of potential with that, especially given you know upgrades to technology in the modern day. Um, it, it's it's always been kind of felt like a, a character that is easily forgotten, but Man Bat. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kurt, yeah. Kurt, Kurt Langstrom. He was again. It's a, it's this is the closest thing you get to a Jekyll and Hyde story. Is this mm-hmm. this brilliant scientist who knows that if he doesn't continue to take a serum, he basically mutates out and turns into this giant monster that has no control. And the fact that he works with Bruce and all these times to constantly keep it in check. But things constantly always go haywire and something always goes wrong. And we've seen that evolve and evolve and evolve um and it, it's i always thought he was a really kind of wonderfully great homage to like classic like monsters from like back in the day from like the 20s and 30s but I, it was it was just that one character that always felt just a little outside of the norm and the other one too i would give a quick like honorable mention to is firefly uh garfield lynn's he's always always been another i think unique character more of just kind of a, right. a, a normal kind of brutish thug but but, but he always a nice had a flamethrower. Yeah, but like he always had such a cool design and look to him. So. Yes, it's like another one that I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say is underrated, but I wouldn't mind seeing more of every once in a while. And I, I might be getting the name wrong, but Professor Pig. Yeah, Professor Pig. Yeah, yep. it's just another one I've always found interesting. Also, anytime, every time he popped up. Also incredibly creepy. The uh, the doll maker is another oh one. Oh my god, the doll maker is so creepy. Terrifying. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the Dollmaker is truly, truly terrifying. Uh, uh, and that character we've seen a lot more play out of, too, uh, in the last several years. Mm-hmm. Um, any other last mentions people would like to bring up for honorable mentions or, um, you know, there are an honorable mention to their favorite character or another overrated or underrated and why? So, well, no? I think I got no? mine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't we move this to the flip side of this, and we'll talk about the Bat Family characters and the supporting cast for for Bruce Wayne uh, specifically, and you know how that characters have grown, um, and kind of be able to take that, and then do have a couple side pieces to kind of piggyback off of this topic. So, um, anybody ready to rock? 
fish. Uh, Alfred. Nice. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he started yeah. out as just a butler, and then you started getting more and more backstory about him. And I, I'm pretty sure there's a show now, right? There is. There is yeah. a show called Pennyworth yep. that just got picked up uh, on really? Epics for a second season. Right. Yeah. What? It you didn't is, know about that? No. It yeah. takes place with him in Britain uh, in his 30s or 40s when he's actually uh, working for... Before as, the Waynes. Before That's the Waynes, where awesome. he's an agent, where he's working for the Secret Service. So, oh God, you know, that. he's basically like an he, he's, playing, he's playing the MI5 agent that he always had in his backstory. Yeah. It's and just evolved over time to give him more and more role in even just the comic and uh, just his whole... How he operates and why he's okay it's with so Bruce doing the things Pennyworth. he's doing. Yeah. Alfred Pennyworth. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not far off. Yeah. And but everybody that, that I've I've amazing. heard that has watched it said it's actually really well done. Um, Better than Krypton. Well, it's not yeah. saying much. Um, and unfortunately, very recently in the comic books, he was permanently killed off. So uh, it was. Yep, oh, Alfred was just re- very so recently sad. killed off. In I Tom hope they retcon that. Yeah, I want them to retcon that. His given brother Alfred. Alfred did. We'll come Alfred. <laughs> Alfred. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, I, I, you know, we've been seeing, like, you know, we were talking about, like, family members, though, too. Like, you know, his his daughter's been in the comics for several years now, Julia, Julia Pennyworth. Who I just recently found out about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She Batwoman. just made her first appearance in Batwoman, in Batwoman yeah. uh, just last I night. I did not know about her either until mm-hmm. Batwoman, which was awesome. And I was intrigued the moment she popped onto the screen. Same here. <laughs> so, Alfred, for you. Yeah. Um, Aaron, you um, said you were ready to rock yeah, too. Yeah, of course he steals Alfred. Like, <laughs> the car. Uh, the, the car, <laughs> Alfred. Coming vroom. Uh, <laughs> All right, next like up is Batarang. Got it's it. like bringing a knife to a gun. <laughs> so anyway, um, Damien, uh, I, nice. I, I fell in love with him immediately. And I, just, <laughs> I just like, I know he's an ass. But maybe that's just part of why I like it. Um, What's not to love about a Robin that rides on a giant man bat into <laughs> battle named Goliath? I mean, there's something awesome. That and the fact that because of him, there's now the bat cow. Yeah. yeah. So, His oh, 5,000 yeah. pets are really precious. <laughs> I, I, I get like he can be a bit over the top and th- that's fine, but it's just fun. Like, he's a fun character. Like he, he's, he's a character that everybody should have hated and immediately fell in love with. And it, you're right. He's a, he's a wonderful, wonderful character. Yeah. So um, I have two. Okay. But we'll give one like and then we can go around because there's the Bat family is okay. pretty damn Number large. one is absolutely Tim Drake. Um, I started into DC Comics via Teen Titans during the Jeff Johns run. And I hadn't really, apart from like watching the animated series and external stuff, I hadn't really read much of the comics. And so I dove into that when uh, Tim Drake was in charge of the team. And he his story was really fucking fascinating. But that was also I was reading it during the timeline where it was like we were right on the verge of infinite crisis. I believe we were, and it was every bad thing that this poor like <laughs> guy could have gone through pretty much happened. I mean, he he like he lost his uh, he lost his best friend, he lost his father, he lost his girlfriend. Like he was losing everyone left and right. But what was really interesting about him, and I've always found to be really fun, is um, it's one it's one of the reasons why I think if anyone should step into the helm, it would be Tim Drake because he's the detective. He he was the only Robin who figured out who Bruce was as Batman. Like he figured out Batman and showed up instead of like being recruited. Mm-hmm. And that detective work kind of continues throughout. He's incredibly intelligent, and it's real. And even later on in the comics, 
Rach calls him detective. He doesn't call any of the other Robins detective. Like he, so he refers I mean, to him the same way he refers to Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and I mean, if that's not a sign, I don't know what is. But I really always thought that he followed in that vein of like that detective work spirit that Batman really started out in. Yeah. Ben. Uh, I'm going to go with Lucius. I think I, I've, <clears throat> I've been a fan of Lucius Fox ever since I first discovered who he was. And I don't even really think I was familiar with the character until Batman Begins uh, and seeing Morgan Freeman portray the character. That was my <laughs> first introduction to the character. And then that caused me to look more into Lucius Fox. We got a little bit of him in Batman the Animated Series, just yeah. ever so yeah. slightly. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. He designed He's the back awesome, car. Man. He designed the car. Come on. I know. Well, that's what I mean. Like, even in, like, in, even in Batman Begins, he responsible for the tumbler he's responsible for a lot of the tech that batman uses he's just a cool character that i don't think in modern day tellings of batman the character would be the same without mm. um i would say for me is one of the other asshole robins which is jason todd <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but the reason being is i always loved that you know tim drake was uh, he is an amazing character and yes he's the one that figured it out this little shit instead steals the hubcaps off the Batmobile. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love the fact that it, this was, you know, Dick Grayson leaving and leaving this, you know, leaving being Robin and leaving kind of this hole for, you know, in Bruce's life that he didn't know how to patch. And he sees this kid that's in crime alley, that's following through this life of crime that has no one, that doesn't have anything. And he's like, I can fix that. <laughs> and he tries to do it and it goes horribly wrong like you have this character that has impulse control issues and is doing these heinous things is taking every fight one step too far and it costs him his life in the process like you know it's the only character in batman history to two times now have a telephone hotline to call in do you want to see him live or die oh my um, God. really the first time that is why he died uh, in Death in the yeah, Family is it was the end of the book where the Joker has him locked up in Siberia and is beating him to death with a crowbar. And the last page of that comic book was, does Robin live or die? And you called this number if you wanted him to live, called this number if you wanted him to die. And more people called in because they wanted him to die. And they wrote two issues, the start of that book, the next book of... Batman coming to the wreckage and picking him up. He's like, is like, Jason lit. Jason's still alive. And then the other one was him cradling Jason's lifeless body, which is that in, in classic cover image yeah. of him down on his knees with a black background with this tattered Robin uh, in his hands. And that was all because of that. They recently reenacted that on Twitter during Titan season two, during a penultimate episode where it looked like he was about to die. They did they really? They did it, but they didn't mean to, they weren't going to follow through with actually killing no. him off. But they did just like, should he live oh or did God. they die? They did a poll on Twitter. No, because Jason is freaking. But they actually the, the, the vote turned out in his favor this time around. Yeah. But what was interesting though that that. A single shot of him surviving they actually showed in one of in alternate timelines in recent comics oh, where oh they man. had basically like i think it was like a dark multiverse story or it was a crisis story or something like that it was crisis it was it was infinite crisis actually of them showing this is another timeline of where they and they actually used the original art from the 80s that was never uh, never used which was pretty cool but um when he did come back from the dead uh you know it was tied to the Hush story, which was 
such a great, fantastic, classic story. But when he did come back, I loved this angle of what they made his character. Like, they made him this anti-hero that was really unique. But he did come back into the fold with the Bat family. But watching him being the the one that would, like, you know, you'd watch Dick Grayson tell Damien, don't do the thing. And Jason's like, you should do the thing. <laughs> like, he was always the bad, bad, the bad son that would say... He was the devil on the shoulder. He was the devil on the shoulder. But, like, it made him interesting because the fact that Bruce kind of was like, you know, that was his one of Bruce's greatest failures is not only bringing him in, into his wing, but also allowing him to be killed. And he always talked, t- took that as one of these tragedies that he felt responsible for. So watching what became of that character and how he evolved because of that, both Bruce and Jason was really interesting when Bruce or Jason became Red Hood. So mm-hmm. I, I, it's such a fascinating character to watch. So um, any other characters people want to jump in with a second? Yeah. Cat. I'm going with Babs. She is really from beginning to end. Like Batgirl's amazing. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that she's commissioner. You know, that she's the commissioner's daughter. Like, but she was always really spunky. And I, it, like, when she went through everything she did and evolved into Oracle, is she back to being Batgirl? Did yeah, they, she like she is pure, pure stuff. She they had it where she was paralyzed. Yeah. Um, and they had her come back from it. Okay. Uh, when they did the new 52, they had her mm-hmm. back as that, and they explained that they actually had her dealing with, in the new 52, uh, dealing with PTSD yeah. really heavily, and they kind of worked on that, and then they are now back to her just being as Batgirl, so. But, yeah, even with, um, like, when she was Oracle, like, she, you know, went from a really horrible situation and still managed to make herself indispensable in the field. Yeah. Like, it was really, really cool to see. Aaron. Um, so just another favorite character that's pseudo Bat family was Gordon. Um, he's like cousin, <laughs> but yeah, um, <laughs> definitely a very interesting character and very. And I just seeing that character arc happen with him too was actually really cool to see in the comic books. Yeah. Uh, ben Fish. Um, I'm surprised nobody's brought up Nightwing yet. Because uh, Nightwing has always been a personal favorite of mine, but the one I want to bring up, <clears throat> it's like I'm just gonna <clears throat> step on someone else's answer and then <laughs> oh, that's why I slyly was, I, come in with a different one. Well, because <laughs> nobody else had their hand up, so I didn't know if anybody else was gonna mention it. So, but the other one I want to bring up is one I feel is kind of a very underrated member of the Bat Family, and that's Azrael. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, because he oh. was at one time Batman, Gene Paul Valley specifically. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, the worst Batman. <laughs> the, the worst Batman, but he did eventually... Well, we're not giving that to George Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> I got one more. Okay. He, I mean, but he did eventually... I mean, you look at the Darkest Night um, storyline, he became a member of the Green Lantern Corps. And then eventually, after that, once that cleared up, he is a, a supporting member of the Bat team. Yeah. yeah he stole form. kind of the head of the Order of St. Dumas. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just one last one, which, sure. was, which was Ace. Uh, <laughs> nice. I was going to bring it up, but I'm glad you did. Ace the Bat Hound, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, especially him in the animated series. Uh, nice. There's a great episode with him at, with Batman and Ace. <laughs> Terry. I was going to say Terry, nice. too, so I'm going to share that with you. Uh, go ahead. I'll let you go into it a little bit you, if you like. You didn't get a chance to talk yet. Um, I would say, yeah, Terry is by far, I think, one of the best members of the Bat family. And it's I love that the animated series has helped create multiple characters that have crossed into the comic universe and has become indispensable. Like we have crisis of infinite earths that were three weeks away from, uh, at the time of this recording and less than two, we're two weeks away. Um, 
and what's really interesting about that is everybody's like just holding on to hope and like please tell me we may get a glimpse of terry you know we have uh another show starting next year on the cw which is green arrow and the black canaries um and that takes place in 2040 and everybody's like gotham exists we know it does will we get terry mcginnis and it, what i've loved about it is he took what was the best parts of every robin that we've ever had between mm-hmm. you know dick damien jason tim completely and they kind of all became poor stephanie <laughs> No one likes Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> she was robbing for like six issues and got killed. So mean, Rob. I, I, I know this is purely for the people at the table, uh, but WWE Survivor Series was last night, and one of the wrestlers, Ricochet, actually came out in Batman yes. Beyond yep. Ring Gear that nice. actually looked... That does look like really a, badass. Oh, that's yeah. very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I saw that last night because I was actually watching. I was like, wow, that's really cool. But it was essentially you had like the best you know, pieces about every one of the classic Robins, not really including Damien at that time, but you know, like the original three. He wasn't around at that exactly. time. Exactly. Uh, and you basically said, we're going to take all of these ideals and create a new Batman. Right. That was that was as smart as you know, like Tim, Tim. was as wisecracking as Nightwing. Um, had yeah. had enough of an edge to him, like Jason did, but still ultimately willing deserved to take to be those in, risks. But was willing to take the risks, like Bruce Bruce did. Yeah. But, well, yeah. I mean, like all of them. I yeah. mean, like it's. It, but it was such a great character, and to have this older Bruce Wayne continue oh, to kind of like best part about it. You know, bring bring him through these you know like trials and allowing him to become. This great Batman to steal a line from Spider-Man, the guy in the chair. Yeah, <laughs> but it was—it was, he's such a wonderful character, and he's a character was... that I'm so happy that it actually is continuing to live on in the comics now. And he actually has his own Robin now. It's mm-hmm. his actual younger brother Matt from the anime oh, series. Awesome. Is now cool. is aged up. Uh, they've aged him up a bit now, and he is—he's now his brother. That's him and cute. his brother are doing this together. Bruce is around. They just brought back Derek Powers from the series. Oh, really? He's back now. Oh, so Blight's back. They brought back the Joker, um, similar to what they did in the animated series. Um, you know, Barbara's uh, in in that history. There's a new Batwoman. All of these things that they're doing, and they're continuing to make these legacy characters mean something and matter. And they found ways to continue to bring back old villains or have new people take on these classic identities of all these things. And he continues to be able to shine is this character and it's been really fun to keep up with when i can't get an opportunity to i do have a, a question um because obviously there are people like yourself that are more familiar with a lot of these characters than i am <clears throat> from what i've been reading apparently dick grayson is not dick grayson any longer now he's rick grayson yes aka talon well is, he, is, they, we just he just became talon is talon a new character or is this another one or is he replacing um, a former talent all right short 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 version of this okay <laughs> there is a group called the court of owls Yes. Oh, yeah. the, the, their head assassins at the Court of Owls are called Talons. Okay. There was one called specifically just Talon. Okay. Um, that's where I knew about the Court of Owls and the, the Talons. The original Court of Owls story was they were after Gotham's best son, and everybody assumed it was Bruce. Mm-hmm. They were after Dick yeah. the entire time. Okay. Um, they were go- still going after Bruce at the same time. but um, So he got shot in the head about a year ago um, because of something Bane set up. But he was doing that with the Court of Owls. So he thought he had amnesia after he went through the re- rehab and was trying to remember who he was. And just last week, we found out that he never had amnesia at all. The Court of Owls have been the people that have been around him the con- whole time, 
playing with him and making him not think he knew who he was anymore. So they kind of brainwashed him over the past like six months in the comics. So got him to actually twist and become one of those. So they said he's about to go back to becoming Nightwing soon. Okay. Okay. So (laughs) it's just been a long arc. That's all. Gotcha. But you think about it in the grand scheme of things, we're like a year in the comic book sounds like a long time. It's not. You're talking about 12 comics. It's not. Yeah. It's not a lot of time or not a lot of pages of stuff of material to read. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so now you're... Gotcha. Yep. Um, all right, so um, let's see. Is there a supporting character people that they actively dislike? That's another good question for everybody. Ace the... Ba- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> King Tut. <Tutten>. King Tut. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm actually... Even though I brought up Stephanie, I wasn't that huge on her, so... Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's quite okay. <laughs> Uh, does anybody have anyone outside of Cat? I will say Bluebird. She was kind of just Ooh. there. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> she was a character around for a little bit of time, and right around the same time as, um, I can never remember the character's name, Duke, Duke Thomas, uh, who is the Signal, is another another member of the Bat family. Uh, but Bluebird and him came in around the same time during the New 52. Um, they're both still around. Uh, Bluebird essentially is kind of like a female Nightwing, but she's a little punk rock chick. Um, but uh-huh. she's kind of a boring character. That's fair. Um, Duke is interesting, though. He's got a wonderful backstory. It was a massive Joker attack in the city. Both of his parents got gassed by the Joker and never recovered. And they're still alive, but they're now locked in Arkham. Oh, he's Neville Longbottom. Ah, yeah, yeah, essentially. essentially. That's but awesome. Not nice. Um, <laughs> So yeah, but uh, <laughs> very interesting character though. Um, but yeah, no Bluebird, pretty pretty, pretty boring. That's it. Yeah. Nobody. I, I, don't really I really, have really else. like the villains. A lot of them have really tragic pasts, and they're really interesting. And uh, we have brought up some Robins here, but I do want to ask the question of who everybody's favorite Robin is at this table because I feel like it's worth bringing up. So I go classic and stick with Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson, yeah. Cat, we know. I do you? Do you? Damian Wayne. <laughs> No. <laughs> it's Tim Drake. <laughs> Stephanie. Uh, just between Tim and Damien. Okay. For me. It's shifting around on me at the moment because I've, I've just started watching some of the newer movies and Damien's and them, but I do like Dick Grayson a lot and Tim Drake was a good one. Yeah. Each one brings something different to the table. Yeah. So they, I don't have a favorite. No. I'm going to still go Dick Grayson. Mm. I love Jason Todd, but Jason Todd, I like his Red Hood, not Robin. So, oh, that's fair. so um, same character, but kind of not. So it's interesting when you kind of have to put it together. Um, so I guess now is a good time for us to get into one of the last big points before we get into the fun stuff here. And this is everyone's favorite Batman story of all time. So starting with Cat. Hush. Hush. Sorry. Why? Why do, you, why do you love Hush so much? Why do I love it? Um, it was one of the original because, I mean, Batman was also really easy to get into comics wise because there were so many unique trade stories that you could dive into. Like it wasn't, you know, you didn't need to have like tons and tons of history of everything. But also um, Catwoman was a big feature in Hush, and she's one of my favorites. I really enjoyed that. The twists and turns of it were really, really fun. The constantly shifting villains, 
Like it was just a it was a wild ride from beginning to end. I loved that. It was a great kind of almost entry point too, because it gave you a yeah. good concept of who what what's Batman's history at this point in the DC comics. Like mm-hmm. you find out about oh, okay, well you had a Robin that got killed. Mm-hmm. It, you got to go through and meet most of his major rogues gallery in that yeah. entire book, and like you got to go through a mystery at the same time while watching him be kind of this dark vigilante. So it gave you a great angle. So I think you're right. That's it's easily one of the best. Would you? Is this one of your favorite version? Was this your favorite version of Batman? Probably, yeah. Yeah, honestly, it is. Yeah, is the, yeah. Cool. I really enjoyed him in that. Awesome. Um, Ben, um, <clears throat> mine is actually an Elseworlds tale of Ooh. Batman. Okay. Um, and I can tell you right now. Wait, the, can, can I guess? Sure. Speeding bullets. Speeding bullets. That's it. Uh, you know, I grew up reading the Superman comic books and just remember seeing the cover of that particular comic and seeing Batman flying through Gotham City. I'm like, mm-hmm. what is this? And it's, yeah, I mean, it's basically an, a pretty awesome tale of if Cal had landed in Gotham City and was adopted by the Waynes instead of the, the Kents. And it's just Superman wearing a Batman costume flying around Gotham City. And I, really I love it. Funny. It's one of my favorites. I've read that one. Yeah. yeah, I did not read that one. Yeah, that's that one of my fantastic. favorites. <laughs> it's a great book. Yep. Uh, what is your favorite version of of Batman? <sighs> Are we talking like comics, animated series, film, any anything? Anything. I, I, right? Your your favorite portrayal of the character. It could be in any of the mediums. You know what? I really like, and also too, just a to preface too is that version of Bruce Wayne and Batman don't have to be one and the same. I you know, I really like the the version of Batman that we get in the Arkham games. Okay. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of those. I mean, we get the classic Kevin Conroy voice behind it uh, that that most people who grew up loving Batman absolutely know about. You know, with the updated tech from the films and a, a visitation of most of the most popular rogues gallery from from the Batman mythos. And for that reason, I just I've always been a big fan of that version of Batman from the Arkham games. Absolutely. Uh, Aaron, Fish, you guys ready, or do you want me to go first? I'm ready, but go ahead, Fish. Go uh, ahead. <laughs> Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker. Oh, uh, they, it is a good. very solid story. Uh, it is a very Joker plot, um, and it's just wonderful. Yeah. Uh, any big things that are the big takeaways because of that story, or like for me personally? Yeah. Um, I, I love the conversations that he and Bruce have throughout the movie. And you get to see how much different he is than what the Joker is expecting. And that's really like. That's the linchpin the, of him defeating him. It is, right? Oh, I like to talk too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Joker likes to talk. He's forgetting one thing. So do I. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, is that now? What about your favorite portrayal of Batman and Bruce? Uh, for Bruce, it's Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton played a very solid Bruce Wayne. Uh, I'm I'm not going to even go and... He did a good job as Batman, but he played a very solid Bruce Wayne. <laughs> um, for Batman. Oh. George Clooney. Oh. <laughs> Val Kilmer. Val. <laughs> um, I liked the Batman portrayal in um, Young Justice. Nice. Okay, yeah. Uh, that was a very good Batman where he's being... The guy behind everything and planning everything out 10 moves ahead and trying to go up against Lex Luthor. 
Yeah. I don't know if that's a spoiler, but you get the idea. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Lex Luthor is the bad guy. Right? <laughs> so shock. <laughs> Aaron. Um, one of the ones that I really like reading in the comic books um, is when Gotham, uh, No Man's Land of Gotham. Oh, yeah. It's, a real, it's older. Excellent story. Excellent. But it's a really Excellent fun story. story. It really breaks down Batman down to his basics because he has to be. Um, he can't rely on all the tech. He can't drive the car. But he's still got to do what he's got to do to protect the people of his home city as best as he can. And it's it's a lot of fun. Especially when mm-hmm. Superman shows up and he still kind of schools him. Like, hey, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your favorite Batman in, uh, portrayal? Uh, and Bruce Wayne portrayal? Sure. Um, Michael Keaton's fantastic when it comes to Wayne. Um, I also like um, Old Man Wayne portrayed in nice. Batman Beyond. He's fantastic such a dick <laughs> he's, he's such a dick he's just the best grumpy grandpa <laughs> i love the justice league episode with him in it oh my uh, god yes uh, that's a- the that's the the one i mentioned to you the, yep. the other week yeah. uh is the Time uh, travel. it's it's not the one in future thing but it's uh it's, a, it's the crisis episodes isn't yeah. it well, it's mm. pseudo it's not crisis it's it's yeah. different it's the one it's the episodes with chronos right um, where we we get to actually see Batman Beyond infiltrate into right. that universe, and <laughs> yep. we get to see yep. old Bruce Wayne and young Bruce Wayne together, <laughs> and it's like I'm gonna do this my way, and it's old Bruce grabs a thug by the collar and hangs him off of a building with, and just hits him with his cane, and you're like, this is just amazing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, and, and Batman gets to play good cop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite Batman. Um, I really did like Christian Bale's Batman. It was very athletic. I did too. Um. He was in prime condition, and where is she? Okay, the voice yeah. <laughs> is a bit rough, but but just um, I really did. I don't know. Just I thought it was a really good live version of him. Um, yeah. Okay. I loved those movies. They were I, great. I still like. Affleck. I love. I don't know. He was. Uh, I think Affleck was still a good Batman. He was a good Batman. Yeah. Um, he wasn't the worst <laughs> he's, Batman. No, he's not the worst. And, and you can be good with you know. It's still really good. <laughs> See, we're going with best. <laughs> well, that's why I didn't mention him as no, my favorite. He, he was also a very solid Bruce Wayne and a very solid Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a little bit of humor too. That some of the Wayne like he just Bruce didn't have enough time to get to explore his character. Right. I, I know you still have to go with yours, Rob, but I can mention there is a upcoming version of Bruce that I think, if done properly, could be oh. pretty high on that list. Oh, I, I guarantee it. And that's um, Conroy as Kingdom Come Bruce oh, Wayne. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. That I'm, awesome. I'm really excited about yeah. that for in a couple weeks. Um, I would say for me, my favorite story is actually one that Kat alluded to earlier. It is a episode that has very little to do with, you know, Bruce and Batman is, but it does. You know, he is a character in that through, through and through. It's an episode from the animated series, specifically from the Gotham Knights final season of that show uh, called Over the Edge, um, which is we see in the first few moments of that story, uh, Barbara is thrown off of the top of a high rise and smashes uh, by the scarecrow and smashes through a top of a police cruiser and is dying and is found by her father and she unmasks. And it is watching uh, Gordon hunt down Bruce Wayne uh, because she knows that Bruce is Batman. And it is such an intense, wonderful episode. And then when we realize at the end that it's just Barbara got gassed by the Scarecrow. And it's all in her head. And what series is this in? This is Batman the Animated Series. This is the final season. The other other good good. Scarecrow episode where they uh, put him under. 
and he mm-hmm. lives out his best life. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's another one, and he realizes uh, when he can't read a book. Exactly. Is because uh, right. he can't read any words and everything's jumbled. Uh-huh. Um, but it's it's Scarecrow. They, they did trying a good to, job with Scarecrow, especially. And they only he was only in about like, like four or five episodes right. in the entirety of that series. But this is but Gotham Knights is is essentially considered considered to be season four, but it's this quote unquote separate show. Okay. Um, but it's also referred to oh, sometimes as the New Adventures of, ba- uh, of Batman. Batman. Okay, yeah, uh, or the New Adventures out. of Batman and Robin specifically. I so, would love to check that out. Um, but it's where you see young Tim Drake is the mm-hmm. is the kid Robin in this. Tim Dr- or Dick Grayson is um, Nightwing. At yeah, this. Uh, okay. with yep. rocking the mullet. And all. A lot oh of people God. do cl- clump them together as a four season set. I clump them okay. together because it's all the same actors, all portraying the characters. What it is was sort of like Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Yeah, because yes. it's all part yeah. of the same yes. thing. Okay. Uh, basically, that four seasons of Batman, the Superman series, Justice League, and Justice League Unlimited are as one continuity from start to finish. Okay. So um, that was a change in animation, right? Those there was yeah, a change. Yeah, the yeah, reason it was a change in animation, it was the same studio. Uh, Batman the animated series cost Warner Brothers Animation Studio a small fortune. Oh, right, because it was painted and stuff. Everything was painted frame by frame, cell by mm-hmm. cell. And that's why when you get to that season, everybody looks different because they simplified their designs. So it was a little bit cheaper to produce. There's also only, I think, like 13 episodes of that series. If only right. they simplified Nightwing's hair. It was the 90s and mullets were a thing. I know. It's true. Yeah. But I Recon. was... Recon. Yeah. Recon. Recon his hair. Just erase it. Uh, a second or quick runner-up, though, to that would be uh, Beware the Grey Ghost, as we mentioned before, is one of my favorites, really because you have uh, Simon Trent, the Grey Ghost, is played by Adam West in that, which is a really wonderful nod. And it's such a wonderful Bruce Wayne story, because it's him getting to be a hero um, alongside his childhood hero. And it was it's such a wonderful, touching story. And, and you know what? If I had to give a runner-up to Mask of the Phantasm, oh, there's another one. one yeah. Oh, that, that really underrated villain. Yeah. Maria oh, Beaumont. That That's true. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's another I don't know one. if you've ever seen the Mask of the Phantasm. It, it is familiar. It is a have. stunning story. Um, and we see her later in Batman Beyond as well. Right. Uh, we were just actually Justice League. Uh, uh, she is in the Justice League Unlimited episode. Um, okay. Uh, where we see what happens truly with Ter- uh, Terry after the series ends. Um, but I would say my favorite uh, Bruce Wayne and favorite Batman are both Kevin Conroy and the animated series. Um, it's just his different inflection for Bruce Wayne to Batman were so tonally different. Like you had this like, especially in the early seasons, you had this vague, very like upbeat kind of like bumbling playboy almost. And then when it was Batman, like the switch just clicked. Like, later on, we saw him just kind of be that all the time. Yeah. Uh, and they actually had, apparently, Conroy even went on to say that he had to do that at request of the network. Because oh. they said they thought it would confuse children. Because the voice was so different. That That's they would not realize that they are two pe- different people. Yeah. And, you know, then Con- Conroy, you know, notoriously went on. It's like, come on, they knew Bruce Wayne is Batman. Like... <laughs> I know, right? You, know, <laughs> you mean Bruce Wayne is Batman? That's, <laughs> That's from so the shocking. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle one. Yeah. And and again, getting to see him finally play Bruce's live action is going to be. Yeah, he said it was hard. Cool. He said it was a real hard thing sure to step was. into. You know, it's a different oh, yeah. transition for him. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm excited. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Does anybody have a? Le- uh, so, 
I was going to say bring up like a least favorite portrayal of, of Batman, but I think we all can pretty much guess on where that's going to fall. George yeah. Clooney. Clooney. <laughs> Worst Bruce Wayne. George Clooney. Clooney. Worst Batman. Well, actually, you know what? I kind Wait of like I didn't like Val Kilmer. There were either. elements of Kilmer I didn't mind. Clooney was a better Clooney was a better Bruce Wayne. Yes. yes. Yeah. Than, than Clooney. Than Kilmer. And Kilmer was than, a better Batman. Yeah. Yeah. They equally both sucked in all just, the roles. I could but, stand both of them. Yeah. 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 It was. Uh, yeah. Nothing. Nothing was good about and uh, the Schul- <laughs> Schumacher films. I heard later he kind of apologized. Oh, <laughs> Clooney flat out said, "I ruined Batman." Like yeah. he <laughs> flat out admitted he it. He knew they were making a silly movie. Yeah. He just didn't think it was going to kill a franchise, mm. or almost. I'm sure Warner Brothers didn't think it was going to kill a franchise either. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, so let's get to our last two points here before we wrap Ooh, up. Did we uh, do best and favorite tech? We didn't, but I didn't have that in oh, here. Okay. If you would like, I'll let everybody have one. Oh, quick, yeah, I mean, quick Batman nod. has a lightsaber. That's awesome. In uh, which one? The Brave and the Bold. Brave and the Bold. Brave and the Bold. He takes oh, off his yeah. belt buckle and it turns into a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. That's all I wanted to That's say. So <laughs> he just, he just Aaron, to bring Aaron, that do you up. have a do you have a piece of tech you want to give a, a mention to? It, all the tech from Brave and the Bold is the best. I love the Nth Metal Gauntlets. Right? <laughs> Beat whoever. Dark side, I got you. Gat, do you have a piece of bat I'll go tech? classic with the Batarang. Okay, perfect. It's, it's oldie but a goodie. Shark repellent. repellent. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was just going to say it with you because I agree. All right. First of all, I mean, it's, not I, shark, it's bat shark. Repellent. I know. But it I mean, only even repels it's, bat sharks. It's branded. <laughs> it's, it's still to this day. No matter what iteration of Batman we go through, whether it be animated series, Brave and the Bold. I think they make a crack about it in Brave and the Bold. I think they, they do. do. Yeah. They do. But still, to this day, one of my favorite all-time quotable moments of any Batman franchise. I know exactly what it is. Some days, you just can't get rid of a bomb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, another way that we can talk about Batman and Robin. <laughs> so Yeah. As much as we want to wish that movie didn't exist, it still does. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, no, that's from Batman 66. Oh, I know, but yeah. I was making a that's reference to oh, sometimes okay. you can't get rid of a bomb. That's yes. Oh, like the movie Batman and Robin. Was Batman <laughs> and Robin, yes. Was yeah. the bomb. Got it. Um, all right. So our last two points is where we get a chance to be a little bit creative. So give a chance for everybody to make both a Bat family member that's original. Or a and a Bat villain. But because we're running a little short on time, why don't we... You can do one or the other, so you don't have to do both. Oh, good, because I only have no, one. I, like, I only have one of the two. <laughs> All right, who is ready to go? And just make sure and give us a little bit of backstory, like how what your what your character is, their origin, something along those lines. And again, too, if you want, they can take over an existing mantle for a hero or villain. So, well, ben. there there was a time when Bruce, after Ace the Bat Hound, sadly passed away. Uh, not from battle, but from old age, that Bruce needed a an animal companion. And it was at that time that he asked Alfred to make a suit for one of the bats in the bat cave, creating Bat-Bat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's kind of wonderful. <laughs> um, he doesn't have any abilities other than his ability to bounce sound off of different things, uh, kind of like his own little sonar. Uh, but that is pretty much what So he what you're saying is, He's just a bat wearing a bat suit. <laughs> He's just a bat wearing a bat suit. Fair. Can he? Is it trained or is he just like let he's it go trained. and he, just kind of like he's oops. he's trained. He's kind of like a raven in that sense that he can send them <laughs> off and he'll come back. But he doesn't have any abilities. He's just a bat wearing a bat suit. He is bat yeah, bat. That's bat bat. I like bat, to think bat. he'd tuck underneath his like cape and like 
like Batman's all tied oh, up and Batman Bat just kind of crawls out, <laughs> grabs the lock picks from his belt, sure. takes it up to him. Sure. Cat. So mine would obviously be an alternate universe thing given the change in circumstance, but I think it would be really fascinating if Alfred just snapped <laughs> because he would be one of the most daunting adversaries, A, given his background, B, given the knowledge he has, like... He would be probably yeah. the most, and I mean the emotional ramifications, but he would be the most difficult thing to, like, villain to take down. Yeah, I, w- I, I would definitely give you that. I think that would be <laughs> kind of fantastic. What makes Alfred finally snap? The death of Bat-Bat. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Damien bringing in one more cow into the cave, and I'm like, no, I'm done. <laughs> Lucius accidentally breaks the tail off the dinosaur <laughs> in the cave. I was like, do you know how hard that was to put together the first time? <laughs> like, there's so many reasons he could snap. Realistically, he takes care of everyone. He has to like, dust that penny all the time. Right. <laughs> it's like, why do we even have this in the first place? <laughs> Batman brings home a quarter. Isn't this evidence? <laughs> we just can't have nice things. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> That's wonderful. Aaron? I'm not ready for this. Not ready? Fish? Okay, so we're going to have Michelangelo join <laughs> the Bat Fam. That's well, they're kind of all honorary they, members. They, they, they the are honorary the episode, men- members uh, uh, now, but he's going to join them permanently because he's an orphan. Aww. That's true. Okay. Okay. Uh, he did want to wear the, the whole cape and cowl, so... He's got that going for him. He's already ready to go. Um, he can fight. He can definitely fight. Uh, no, um, let's see. Create a whole u- new unique villain. Because <laughs> nobody did villain yet. Well, Cat did. Alfred. 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 Alfred is a villain. Yes, that's right. Oh. I don't know. I'm not ready yet. Um, I'm actually going to go that, that. So it's a new villain. Um, but it's going to be tied to an, uh, an existing DC villain. Uh, so King Shark has a younger brother. Uh, so baby and it's, Shark. It, it is. <laughs> I was actually going to go there. It's Baby Shark, but it was the shark that was sprayed from the 1966 with the spray. So he was created by the Bat Shark repellent. The Bat Shark repellent made him Bat Shark. Everywhere he goes, that song plays. But <laughs> just enrages people and. Uh, I would like to see a villain um, that is able to. So this villain is would be just a brilliant person whose whole life just is ruined by Batman over and mm-hmm. over again in such a way, like in the most innocuous ways. Like <laughs> his apartment was the one that Bat went through, taking oh out the Joker for one day, and he's just like, and the Batman's just. It's kind of like a Roden Kretz Guildenstern <laughs> yeah, yeah. character, but it's he just like a villain. He threw one of the thugs on top of his car right. in the parking yeah, lot. Yeah, like he's 16. He's just well, not it's, driving. Um, actually, Penny it works. for your thoughts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that was an episode. Yeah. There was an episode that so, was, was loosely this, around that. Instead of just being like angry at Batman, he decides that the best way to get back to him is become like the new criminal underworld boss. Nice. And just manages to rein in all of the rogues gallery in a much better and more organized way. And kind of Batman's kind of like, what the hell is going on? Why is Gotham quiet? And he kind of cleans up Gotham in, a, in the most disturbing way, like keeping everything quiet and not explosive. 
That would be pretty cool. That would be awesome. Like he puts down the Joker. Like he locks <laughs> down because he's like, no, you're just too much. Strike <laughs> dart. Fish. So, um, it would be really interesting to take the uh, alternate uh, Superman who's actually Batman mm-hmm. and make him instead of his own, like he crashed at the time that Thomas and Martha were in charge. If he crashed when Bruce was in charge, because that's obviously an orphan, what kind of Superman would we get out of that? Oh, God. What Basically, you have, if what you, you have, start as Robin? A Kal-El that starts as Robin. It oh just happens God. just a little bit later. Well, actually, the way you could do that is essentially Kara. Right. Because uh, Kara oh, comes comes yeah. to Earth a little bit later. Yep. And that, would, that could be... That'd be awesome. Really. But we would have to not have Superman around beforehand. Yeah. yeah. That is, would be... Is the but main he's thing a there. villain? No, no. Um, the hero. The, the, the hero Batman. in the yep. Bat family. A new hero yeah. in the Bat family. I thought you said a new villain. Sorry. No, no. That, that could... That would, that would be, really be really damn cool. It would be interesting because... Batman gets a super-powered orphan. That would How be does he cool. teach I, them, you know, to rein it in? I feel like a lot of that conversation is like, why do I need that gadget? I can just do the thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be. That's cool. That would be awesome. Um, awesome. Well, why don't we go ahead and close out our episode then with a Mary Fuck Kill, also all about Robins, because Yay! that's the best way to do this. <laughs> Um, so our, our Robins to work with are Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, and Tim Drake, and who is ready to rock? Let's start with Aaron. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we marry Grayson. He's the, the stable one. We fuck Tim. <laughs> he's the crazy one. We kill Jason because he's used to it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel bad. He's already dead. <laughs> It's uh, you know I'm just gonna piggyback off of you because mine was really kind of similar in, in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, you do kill Jason because we know he'll just be back. It's fine. Uh, he's already been in one Lazarus pit. It's not like that won't happen. And if it's not that, it's an interdimensional cosmic wall exploding. Right, he'll yeah, just come out that, of that. That was time. that was uh, yeah. Uh, but then else. I think you marry Tim Drake though because Tim is the one that is a good person all around, but is also intelligent. All these pieces. Dick Grayson's always been just a pretty boy. His character was just a male model. Dick Grayson or Dick Grayson's ass was trending on Twitter a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Let's I be honest. That. And when they just showed off the costume for Titans and the finale, they even showed the ass of the costume. And says yes, our our Nightwing will also have a good ass. And they even <laughs> said that when they did it. So I think that's what he's gonna. You you fuck you fuck Dick Grayson. You marry Tim Drake, and yeah, you kill Jason Todd because he'll be back right around the corner. Cat. So I would do things a bit differently. Um, I would definitely kill Dick Grayson. Um, I don't mind his character, and he has his high and low points, but definitely not marrying him because that dude is not faithful. Like he is constantly bouncing back and forth between women. So Starfire would- Huntress. Corey, like, he's like, "Hey, Babs, let's get married." Psych, never mind. Starfire, let's get Can't married. Just this. kidding. No, like, who wants to? <laughs> he's deal got with a commitment that fucking, issue. Yeah, who wants to deal with that whiplash? And Jason Todd is like a fucking psycho, so he'd be way more wild in the bed. You just so stole you fuck all of him, <laughs> and you definitely one hundred percent marry Tim Drake again. This is the guy who, when Batman died, never fucking gave up on him and was like, "No, he's alive." Everyone else was like, you're crazy, Tim. And Tim was the only one who was motherfucking right. Like, he he will stay with you. He's really intelligent. 
This you is know? the little asterisk in the corner of the comic strip that says, please see Batman R.I.P. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off real fast. I'm, I'm going I'm to kill Tim Drake because of Return of the Joker. It ends that right there. Oh, yeah. That was really fucked up. <laughs> yeah. He, he doesn't have to suffer anymore because if you haven't oh. seen the movie, go see the movie. No, I have. It's really yeah. cool. And that's pretty messed up. Um, but then you marry Dick and you... you you said it best. He's he's wild. Jason's gonna be the best one to fuck, and Dick's not gonna care because he's doing his own thing over there. That's true. Uh, I'm gonna slightly tweak my answer. You do, Dick. Sorry. Uh, hey. <laughs> ben, I, everything that Cat said is pretty accurate as to what exactly I was gonna say. You you steer clear of of Dick because he's been around. Jason's probably a freak, and Tim is just you marry him just to get it out of the way. I will but- say though. Uh, if I had a choice of some alternates, though, Chris O'Donnell would be one I would marry. Wow, that was oddly a quiet response to that. So I'm From, just gonna we're gonna end the episode can now we, because can we, can we somebody retcon, just took it in a weird way. Can we way. that I just said that? No, 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 no. no. It was late. a Robin. It fit. He's even a Dick he Grayson. Was, so you're gonna kill him? Oh yeah, that's right. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't See? work. Hey. Okay, Terry McGinnis. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to go with like Damien. I'm like, he's a little bit young. He's uh, right. Right. Terry, Terry, Terry was there's never a Robin. There's a reason. We've gone the we awkward young <laughs> in the MFKs before. And, and like, where well, we just didn't think about it. And then somebody pointed something out. I'm like, we're like, oh, crap. It's because yeah. we did the Disney <laughs> exactly. princesses and it turned real bad. Yeah, and then we're like, we we've learned like, our lesson. So No, we haven't. We'll never learn our lesson. We'll make fools of ourselves plenty of times in the future. That's true. All right. Well, you know what? The funny thing is we're almost exactly at two hours, so let's kick around real quick. People can talk about what they're doing. Ben, why don't you tell us all about the 6,000 things happening over at the network? (laughs) You say that every time, and I usually get it down to 30 seconds, which is good. All right, come on. We're going to do it in under two hours. Go, go, go. Uh, uh, No, so obviously you can catch the the podcast that you and I do, DC Primetime, on the Next Level Podcast Network, Next Level Next Level Network. TheNextLevelNetwork.com. Now you got me under pressure. Uh, Facebook.com slash TheNextLevelNetwork. Facebook.com slash DC Prep. Cat. Um, oh, I have some books. Uh, Titles? <laughs> I'm actually, we're currently working on the second in a paranormal steampunk romance series. It's got steampunk hijinks and serial killers. Uh, um, it's part two of the Whitfield Files, correct? Yes, it okay. is. So it's called Of Coppers and Cracksmen and scheduled to come out in April of next year. And. Uh, uh, Amazon. Uh, they will be on Amazon. So look yes. under... The first one is already out. Catherine McIntyre. And yes. the first book is called Tink- uh, of Tinkers, Tinkers and, and Technomancers. Technomancers. Okay. Erin. Uh, so lately I've been recovering. So... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just getting back to walking straight again. So Yay! that's good. You're doing a good job. Thank you. Uh, and I'm looking forward to PAX coming up. Nice. Yes, PAX Unplugged. Uh, Fish. Oh, I got nothing going on. No, I'm good. <laughs> life is life is good. Excited for Yay! Star Wars. I am super excited for Star Wars and the Mandalorian. Yes. Uh, and as for me, yes, you can always find me also through um, the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, obviously, this show, and then obviously DC Primetime over at the Next Level Network. Uh, a big special thanks to our good friends, uh, you know, DJ Cutman at Game Chops Records. Make sure to check them out at GameChops.com or DJCutman.com. Uh, as Fish did mention, uh, yeah, uh, Pax Unplugged is this coming week. Aaron mentioned. Oh, yeah. Aaron mentioned. Yeah. Sorry. He um, okay. Yes. He was no, I was, I was going to say. Um, <laughs> yes. If if you're one of the people who's saying I'm going to wait till the Mandalorian comes all out and binge it all at once, don't do that. No. I need people to talk to about it. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Uh, but yeah, you know, Aaron, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You were the one that mentioned packs, but yeah, that is this coming week. So is it this weekend or next weekend? This weekend. 
No, uh, well, not weekend. this Saturday, not but this the Saturday. following. Yeah. But okay, like, it's, it's right. the fifth. By the time this episode is out, it will be yes. Yeah, it will be in a week. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, really excited for that. Uh, it'll be a great time. So, uh, if you happen to be around, please reach out on the Facebook page, and you can try to play catch up with us if you would like at the show. Uh, but if not, make sure the next episode will be a spoiler cast for the Rise of Skywalker. Yay! We will probably be recording that episode probably about two or three days after the movie premieres. Yeah, uh, I think we're going to be looking at trying to record that on. I think we said. Uh, the 23rd? The 23rd. So the day before Christmas Eve. Uh, and we're going to try to have this out um, probably right around that time frame. We may even try to record it that Sunday uh, on the 22nd. Idea. But we want to try to have that close out as much as possible. That'll probably be an extra long special episode where we're going to talk about not only a Rise of Skywalker spoiler cast where it's no holds barred. We'll talk about everything in full, but really that episode will be talking about the entirety of the Skywalker saga from episodes one through episodes one through well, through ultimately nine. Probably also talking about little things like rebels and all these things that have happened Where so it ties far. In, yeah. Right. So really excited for that one. That'll be a great episode. So uh, definitely stay tuned for that. And uh, then, like I said, we'll be ready for a new year. So, uh, but until then, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Bye bye.